Welcome to Layers of Film, the show where mediocre people discuss masterful films the first Monday of each month. I'm your host, Austin Killian, joined by my co-host and also my ghost, Big T. <laughs> Big T, how's life? Well, I'm a ghost, so I guess I'm dead. No, that's not true. That, that doesn't necessarily have to be true. It's just you're not here right now, but you might come back, Big T. You might come back. <laughs> Right? You never know. Yeah. Um, yeah, life's great. Can't complain. Well, I could, but I won't, you know. But you won't because you're on your meds. Yeah. <laughs> so. um, yeah. What's new with you? Anything exciting? Uh, yeah, sure. Well, first of all, I guess I should have said this even before I asked you anything, Big T, because this is far more important. First episode of season three, third year. <laughs> it's exciting. And for me personally, it's a good episode. It's a good movie to start with, but we'll get into that in a little while. But hey, big news. This is not great news. I lost my job. Isn't that crazy? Oh no. I don't know where it went. I just lost it. I've looking for I've been looking all over the place for it, but I just can't see what happened. Dude, so you know what? I haven't even I'm telling you this before I've even told my family. <laughs> But they'll know before so the special. episode. They'll know before the episode comes up. It's just been like a couple of weeks of me trying to figure stuff out. But um, so it's been it's been a few weeks. I went on a trip. Um, went on vacation. Went to the beach with my family and stuff back on like the the Oregon coast. Um, and you know, like just big deadlines constantly, right? I mention it like every single month. Like oh, huge deadlines, super stressed, blah blah blah. I get back. My uncle had passed away, and he's my father's twin brother, and so that ended up kind of hitting me a little bit harder. I didn't realize it was going to really hit me until I was um, heading back, because he died from the same stuff that my from cancer that my brother passed away from. So on the way oh, back, wow, it just kind of hit me a little bit harder than I expected, yeah. and so I ended up you know, uh, saying, like, oh, I need a day off, um, just to kind of like recalibrate or whatever, and they were fine with that, Yeah. but dude, but then over Slack, and me and like my boss my xbox haven't like really like we bumped heads or whatever but we still work together you know fine i guess but like we disagreed on a few things for sure but um yeah he he messages back though like okay that's fine come in tomorrow ready to work though and in my head i'm like i just told you that i need a day off you're telling me like oh come in tomorrow ready to work and it's like Ugh. did like, you tell him it was because of like family yeah. stuff yeah, yeah i told him that or whatever oh my god but for some reason i was just like that's super lame but he's kinda, that's a shitty response he kinda, yeah he kind of blows as like a as a manager like he's good at his he's good at developing but he's not a good manager but um is what i would say but anyway, and I come in and uh, we're going to, I come in like when it's supposed to be like stand up and stuff where we do our morning meeting to figure out what we're doing for the day. And he's like, hey, can I meet with you real fast before stand up or whatever? And I was like, oh yeah, sure. And in my head, I'm like 50-50 because my wheels were already turning. Like, why would he say come in ready to work? Because that implies that I need to make sure that I bring my stuff. And so yeah. I was already like in my head, like I might be getting fired or something, you know? Um and I get in, and then he, yeah, he walks me over to the HR office. I'm like, well, there it is. <laughs> like, I immediately knew, like, oh, like, either this is a meeting for, like, hey, you're doing a great job, or this is a meeting for you're fired. <laughs> Why would he tell you to come in to be ready to work if you weren't going to be working? Because he wanted me to bring my laptop and my key card. 
because I have do to have. Do you not normally bring that? Don't you? I, well, I know, but he's to... just he's just making sure that I bring my laptop and the key card <laughs> so that I can turn that in that day. You know That's what I mean? That's so ridiculous. Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. So he just said that because you were taking too much time no, off? No, 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 no. They... So let me... Yeah. Oh, oh. So, uh, so the re- I asked him for like a reason or whatever. I was... But that probably sounds more like aggressive. I was like, so like, can you let me know at least like why yeah, like, you guys are letting me go? And... um. And the reason was, is I wasn't senior enough for the position, which I agree with. I wasn't really senior enough, but there's also some, because like he hired me for a senior dev position. Now that's kind of on them because yeah. in the interview, but here's the thing. And I told you this a while ago, but you probably forgot. And um, so he interviewed me for a React, which is a framework for JavaScript, blah, 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 um, yeah, sure. for a React position huge framework very popular blah 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 and that's what i knew and so i interviewed very well on top of that though one of the one of the interview um like practice uh like articles that i read to prepare for the interview he asked all those questions yeah i remember you saying that he's the exact same thing so i sounded like a genius it was just like the first thing he googled (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) it's like one of the it is it was like it's one of the first thing that comes up when you like senior dev so funny react questions or interview questions and so (laughs) i had perfect answers for everything um which like i already knew pretty much all of them i didn't have like a great explanation for it but i made sure that i was totally prepared for all of those um but yeah, as far as senior dev, that's what I knew, React. Um, and, but like we all of a sudden, and, like in the interview, it's just like, we want to develop in React. There's some legacy code though that's in Angular. And he knew that I didn't have any experience with Angular whatsoever, but it's like, it's it's fine. Like, you know, we just need to do like bug fixes and stuff like that. Dude, immediately when I got hired, like it switched from we're an act like from we're gonna develop in React to no we're gonna continue this whole project in Angular. Oh, so, so you kind of knew that you're. I already I was already like yeah you were like, like too it's high, just a two, matter of time. Not one but two hands tied behind my back trying to do this freaking job. That's a quote for Interstellar. Yes. Um. I got anyway, you. <laughs> so sorry I was I'm really proud of myself for doing that. <laughs> you should be. That was good. That was pretty good. And so like that was really annoying. Um. I mean, you could make the argument that as a senior dev, you should be able to quickly get up to speed. Um, but it's still like, it's still a little ridiculous to kind of expect people to, yeah. within like a three month span of of time, become a senior dev in a completely it's different It's also framework. dumb that they hired you for the position and then they're saying, oh, you're actually not senior enough. It's like, well, you hired me. It's not, hired that's me. not my fault. It's, you're firing, you're letting me go for something that's not my fault yeah. at all. And it's pretty lame. Like, I think it's a really, like, classless move to just let someone go without giving them, like, maybe a month or two months of worth worth of, like, hey, like, we kind of need you Prep to, like, step up or, or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, we're kind of expecting a little bit more out of you. Like, I didn't know that I wasn't. Like, give you a chance to, like... You know, yeah. see if you can fix the problem. Yeah, exactly. There was or even be that. aware that there is a problem. Exactly. Sounds- I didn't know there was a problem. I just come in after this vacation, and all of a sudden I'm like, go. So that's the shortest, God, that's like, so dumb professional, like professional career. That's the shortest stint that I've ever had at a job. <laughs> like, yeah, you because you were only there for what, a yeah. few months, right? Yeah, it's funny you because said three months, one job, two job, three jobs. I was there for a year. 
for each of them and then seven months and then layoffs and then of that job and then three months or four months or whatever for this job. Honestly, though, like I didn't want to say this because I was still working there. Man, I hated the work culture. That place sucked. So that's the worst job I've ever had as far as work really? culture goes. So you were like, thank God, dude, ready to go for sure. Like when it happened, I was like, holy smokes, I feel even though financially this is not good yeah. at all. Yeah. Like I feel so good right now. <laughs> that yeah, I your your eyebrows look great. Yeah. My exactly my eyebrows, dude. I mentioned you <laughs> off the air. I don't think I said it on the air. Um, or maybe I did. I don't know. But like there was one day that I was working, I reached the end of the day and I had plucked out basically half of my left eyebrow because I was so stressed because of deadlines and stuff. And constantly like setting these crazy deadlines and then all of a sudden it comes up to the end of the deadline and being like, oh, just no, we're actually not going to launch or whatever. And it's just like, yeah, it seems really unprofessional. Because that happened like three times, who knows? Maybe like I was misunderstanding, but then at the same time, his communication sucked balls then because you know what I mean? It's like he needs to communicate if. Yeah, yeah. If if you're not meeting expectations, he needs to communicate that. Well, not expectations, but the disconnect. deadline. Like maybe yeah, his phrasing yeah. of the deadline. Like I took it as a deadline, but it wasn't really a deadline. But then gotcha. still, but it happened so often though that it's just like I feel like this was a tactic for you to get us to work faster or something like that. And dude, gotcha. so much, so much time. I don't know. So anyway, it's left me in a place where I'm applying to places. You know, like. Because I need to make sure that I have like a backup plan or whatever. But I'm like, I got a lot of creative juices flowing right now. And I'm, I'm, there's a little bit of me that's like, you know what? Screw all this. Screw web development. Screw the tech industry. Screw these pretentious douchebags that think that their product's the best product in the entire world. Yeah. And we're building the best company in the world and blah, blah, blah. We're going to change the world. Dude, it's the tech industry is kind of like annoying, like super annoying in that, in that. Oh yeah, kind of mentality. But um, anyway, so there's a little bit of like, I, you know what? I just hit thirty, and I got a decade. And my first decade was like building a family, you know, getting married, getting a career, making money, you know, making moves basically uh, yeah. for like sensible moves. What's supposed to be like the normal whatever. But now I'm like, I have like a brand new decade, and there's a little bit of you know what? Screw all that. I mean, I'll still have the plan B and keep my skills kind of going a little bit, but yeah. I'm focusing on music right now. And so, do it. Like, and, and I want to make a video game. So, I, uh, there's kind of, there's like these two things that I'm kind of jumping back and forth between right now. And music is like the priority, but uh, Finley House is like the artist name that like I've, I, I've kind of put out some stuff. There's a YouTube channel for Finley House and all that stuff, but I haven't really done anything with it. And um, anyway, so I have, I don't I don't want to say a lot, but I'm going to put out an album. I don't know if it'll come out this year. That's exciting. But probably either the end of this year or early next year. And I'm just going to go full bore at it. And I have a song pretty much finished for that album as a single, and I will release it Um later in september this month oh keep me posted yeah i'll listen to it on spotify if you put are you gonna put it on spotify i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna put it on spotify apple music all that stuff i'll just have it playing in the background all day oh 
Gosh. So you can earn so you can earn like a dollar a day. So, so yeah, I don't want to say anything more about that. It's it's got really sad lyrics, so I'm not sure if you want to listen to it all day, dude. But um Well no no no, I'll just like even if I'm not at my phone or whatever, you know, just have it <laughs> oh, playing in the background. Just keep the streams going so I keep getting yeah, money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But anyway, I got a lot more news to say about that even later. Um, but I thought that I would say it here now as like an advertisement, I guess. But yeah, plug your shit, yo. So so Finley House, artist name, Finley House on Instagram. Or no, maybe it's Finley House Music. I think it's Finley House Music on like Instagram threads, I guess. I can't figure out how to get to the account on Twitter. So that's Ugh. I guess that's just out. But Twitter's a dumpster fire. Don't do it. I, yeah, it's a dumpster fire, but at the same time, it's pr- it's slightly prominent. But and then TikTok Finley House Music, and then YouTube Finley House. Um, F I N L E Y H O U S E. Right for all of our international listeners. Correct. Correct. Um, so if you want to follow me on those platforms or whatever, and I'll probably put a link actually in here or something do it. like that. Um, if you want to follow me on those, that way, when I do actually announce stuff later on this month in September 2023, um, then you'll know what's going on. Yep. Sick. So that's that. So are you gonna are you gonna like freelance in your like part time? You just not? Yeah. Did you have enough money to sort of like sit back on it for a while? Or? I have a little bit of runway, not a ton, but I have a little bit of runway. Um, and then yeah, I'm I'm trying to you know put out you know the feelers and all that stuff for like freelance work but that's kind of hard to do and then i'm applying to places every day all that jazz keeping the regular you know stuff like i would do if i wasn't a creative person (laughs) but yeah um yeah it's life man yeah it's life. that sounds stressful but i'm glad that it happened when you're at like a creative crest that's good yeah exactly yeah i don't know for some reason it just feels like there's a lot lining not lining up but necessarily yeah. but it it's just your feels 30s, like the perfect I'm time you. it feels like the perfect time to just go better for than it. your 20s it's better than my 20s this yeah the web development career path is killing me slowly so i think i need to move away i from feel that, that. <laughs> i feel that um speaking of things in our 30s yes i was i've sort of joked about this with you but i was recently diagnosed with adhd oh like for reals <laughs> for reals yeah i got tested nice so um you know i've been reading a lot of stuff about adhd and apparently yeah. people with adhd are more tend to be more creative and have a difficult time with regular jobs because <laughs> yeah they're boring so yeah. maybe you have adhd i i most definitely have adhd are you gonna do get you? here's the thing though because i don't know exactly what it would do for this would as a creative person, would you want to not take medication for ADHD? Would it tamp down your creativity? Everything that I've read, no one has said anything about that. The AD, the the medicine just helps you with your executive functioning. So it helps you like organize your time better and stay on task and start tasks you know more efficiently and and things like that. So I haven't read anything that says it tamps mm. down your your creativity interesting because in my head like the way that my brain works like someone could say something and then my brain has already in the span of a second moved through 50 different subjects to get me towards like this to the this end result of some ridiculous idea that i love or something like that and i feel like medication would just 
totally yeah, take know. that down and that process and then my creativity would die <laughs> yeah you could always try it and no then idea. if it does you just stop taking it well i don't have insurance to go get that figured out right that's now true. <laughs> unfortunately <laughs> so maybe later Ugh, but that's trash besides trash. adhd we also got a dog another dog another dog yeah for your other dog is it f- yeah oh, it's her new puppy or no? it's yeah she's a rescue puppy she's a mini poodle more poodles. um i know because i like that they don't shed yeah, yeah yeah um yeah but look at us just thriving in our 30s do you oh you you do you want to give the name up oh her name's ivy ivy and then you're the dog willow and ivy willow willow and ivy Aww, you love like the plant-based stuff huh botanical yeah botanical there you go you got basil yeah. leaves ivy willow <laughs> it's just all there i am i'm a botanical boy nice. what can i say why ivy specifically you just like the name or i just like we just liked the name okay also i like to say that she crept up on us we just kind of oh. saw her online one day and we were like oh my god i have to have her and, and now we have her it was literally like we made the decision in like two days, and then we, our schedule didn't line up. We had to pick her up like three weeks later. But oh, yeah. we had like reached out to the foster, um, the rescue organization, and filled out an application like the day after we saw her online. Maybe <laughs> even the day no, of. That's the way it goes, man. You fall yeah. in love, and you just have to have. I know, and she's the cutest. Yeah, she's kind of a hassle, but I forgot how much uh, work puppies, puppies are. Yeah, but um, we love her. It's she's like, adorable. It annoys me when people are like, oh, puppies are so hard, so much harder, or like, yeah, it's so much harder than babies. In a way, like, it's kind of true. People say that. It's like, babies are actually really easy to take care of. And I'm like... Are those people that have never had babies? Yeah, exactly. I'm like, you're <laughs> out of your mind. Because, like, puppies, I've had both. So, <laughs> I think I would yeah. know. Like, in a way, like... There's a there's lot no of way incon- a puppy's hardier to grow. Or well, there's there's a lot of inconveniences race. for sure with puppies because like to take them to go to the bathroom, like you actually have to go outside, and in the winter that sucks really bad to like take them out for okay, like. But babies like walk. can't feed themselves. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Like eventually the puppy. Yeah. Well, maybe it evens out over time because like kids actually grow up and they can leave on their own, and like then you don't have to take care of them. But puppies. Like, or not, not puppies, dogs in general, like you still have to take them out for walks and all that stuff, even when they're older. So it's like, there's, yeah. there's like, but it's still not nearly as hard. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Leave a dog a outside. It'll survive. Leave a baby outside. It won't. Yeah. <laughs> You'll go to prison. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But that's exciting. I'm excited for you. Puppies are a lot of work lots of stuff but yeah she's fine though she's she's already learning how to go outside and stuff so do they both get along um yeah they do pretty well they were cuddling i'll send you some pictures (laughs) too but they're cuddling and the same color no No. willow's like cream and ivy's black and white oh nice yeah it's like your other dog your parents dog (laughs) black which one my parents had so many did they yeah, my parents had Tipper, we had Bonnie, we had Rusty. I'm talking about Bandit. What? We had Bandit. Bandit's just straight black with gray now. Uh-huh. Well, I guess he does have I a thought, little bit of white, I, I think, in his chest. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, she, Ivy's like white and black with like black spots, like big black chunks on her. I didn't know you had like a bunch of dogs. I thought you just had Bandit. 
What? Well, we had Bandit since like I was in high school, but yeah, before that we had a bunch of different dogs. I don't re- ever remember. Did you not have dogs when I first met you guys? Ugh, I don't know. Only... I'm sure we That's had dogs. Crazy. You know what? I don't actually know if we had dogs when yeah. we met you. You you had a long stretch without dogs then because I thought Bandit was your only dog. No, yeah, we've had lots of and Bandit, dogs. What I love about Bandit is like I I would believe that your parents have provided a nice home for Bandit, but he'll take like the first opportunity to like, <laughs> like escape that yeah, house. Run away, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, he's old now. I don't think he can run away as much. But <laughs> yeah, that's the way it goes. That motherfucker is still alive though, barely. How how many how many years is that? Been? He's like, like 14. 15, 14, yeah, yeah, wow. thirteen. I think. Oh He's wow. when we went to go visit my family this last this year. Yeah, we Bandit was there, and it's like. He's one of those dogs that's like smelly and can't move very well and is just really old. Ugh, it's really sad. Yeah. But and he, he like wants people to pet him so bad, but whenever you do, you're just like your hands smell like death, you know? <laughs> you can't wash it away. That's funny. Yeah. Well, uh, cool. Exciting. We could we what? could we could catch up for hours, but we need to get into it's this true. stuff. Because you have a deadline. Let's do it. That's true, I do. And I don't want I'm a busy, busy boy. Busy boy. Okay. Um. All right. So I don't know what that was. Housekeeping. How? how oh, a little bit of housekeeping before we get into the discussion. Uh, rate and review the show. It helps with discovery and gets the word out. We would really appreciate it. If you haven't seen the film, be aware that we will be diving right into spoilers. Sometimes right from the beginning of the discussion. So, continue at your own risk. Make sure to listen until the end of the show where we will reveal next month's film and you can write in to layersoffilmpod at gmail.com to be part of the discussion. Now, it is time for our first fun segment before getting into the film, which is a little game called... Is it still the same game? Oh, I actually totally forgot to do this. Oh, really? This time around. <laughs> yeah, it's been a little hectic. Okay, never mind. We're skipping the first fun segment. It normally would be Hollywood, you rather, but we're not going to do it this month, which is fine because I dropped the ball last time. So <laughs> I kind of, I made up some stuff on the spot. Um, I could make some stuff up on the spot. Would you like to? <laughs> nah. I'm not okay. Gonna. All right. Keep it. Keep it stress free. Free this episode. Okay. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> game's over. Might be. Might be. Thanks, thanks for playing, everybody. Now let's get into the film introduction. We, of course, are covering Interstellar, released November 5th, 2014. The synopsis is, when Earth becomes uninhabitable in the future, a farmer and ex-NASA pilot, Joseph Cooper... Oh, wow, I didn't know his first name was Joseph. <laughs> Do they <ever> say his <laughs> no, first name? No, they don't. Even on IMDb, it just has Cooper. Um, <laughs> I thought it was his first name. Cooper, oh, that makes more sense at the end. Um, yeah. Whatever, Joseph Cooper is tasked to pilot a spacecraft along with a team of researchers to find a new planet for humans. Directed by Christopher Nolan, written by Jonathan Nolan and Christopher Nolan. Uh, composed. That was something that I found out a long time ago. I thought that Christopher Nolan wrote all of his films, but he co-writes them with like his brother. Or maybe his brother just writes the whole film, which is interesting. Composed by Hans Zimmer, the great Hans Zimmer. Cinematography by Hoyt Van Hoytema. Hoytema. How is this the first name and last name? Like Hoyt, Hoyt, Hoytema. Hoyt, Hoytema. <laughs> uh, big actors, Matthew McConaughey, act, um, Anne Hathaway, Jessica Chastain. Budget of $165 million. Box office earnings, $715 million. And you can watch it on Prime Video. That's a great earnings. I'm actually surprised it's not over a billion, but... 
Um, yeah, me too, because people were hyping it up when so it first hyped. came out. I bet Inception's over a billion, though. Inception was probably hyped up even more than that. Was Inception before or yeah, after Nostalgia? It was before. I want to say it was okay. like 2011 or something like that. Well, I remember people freaking out about this movie because they were like, oh, it's so scientifically accurate of what a black hole is like. Wow. You like, say that with such we... disdain. What's going on? Well, how do we know what a black hole is like? <laughs> well, maybe not a black well, I think it's just like the looks and all that stuff. They don't know exactly. I don't know. Like yeah, that's it, true. Yeah. It's mainly the looks and how it behaves like on the outside. Obviously, no one knows what's going on on the inside, which is which the movie gets into a little bit. Except for fifth dimensional beings. Yeah. That's like the only part that's made up, I think. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, Big T, I chose the film. We've obviously both seen this film before, but I love this film and it sounds like I love it more than you. Give me your initial thoughts. <laughs> yeah, I'd seen the movie before. I think the when I first watched it, it was probably during the hype of Interstellar and I was like, yeah, cool. Um, do I understand the math and the science and the stuff in this movie? Absolutely not. No. Um, did I enjoy this film? Also, no. <laughs> no way. <laughs> What? Um, no, look, I can appreciate this film and what it's trying to do and stuff. Um, I think it's a fine movie. It's just way too long. I felt like I was sucked into a black hole because it lasted forever. No way. Um, but yeah, I feel like the, I don't remember disliking it this much as I did the first time I watched it. <laughs> oh. Starting I was actually strong. surprised. <laughs> I was actually surprised it was Christopher Nolan. I didn't what? remember that, but I was oh, like, really? "Oh, I usually like a lot of Christopher Nolan stuff." But Have this you... felt yeah. it felt really dated to me. To be honest, oh really? That's wild. Yeah. I didn't feel that at like all. Like the cinematography and like what the the music and the dialogue. A lot of it just felt kind of like cheesy to me. You're so weird, dude. You're blowing my mind. You're annoying the <laughs> crap out of me right now. <laughs> That's wild. Oh, I would have never expected this, honestly. Me neither. I thought I was going to, because I don't remember. I remember liking it, actually, you know. Have you seen Oppenheimer? I have not. Oh, okay, you haven't. <sighs> okay, so this is like, this movie is still like, it still holds up so well for me, if not better than even like, well, I haven't seen it in quite a while. I haven't seen it in, in a quite a few years so yeah this was like oh man that's right gosh this movie's so good maybe the only the only part is that i wonder i don't know how you would do it any differently though but the only part that kind of takes it out of like the grounded nature of the movie to me is like the tesseract stuff which a lot of people had huge complaints about like i love the movie except for the tesseract like you know like that the whole you know Every moment of time in the little girl's bedroom or yeah, whatever. Yeah, exactly. Like that. Because, like, obviously, what you said before, like, everything is pretty scientifically accurate as far as, like, what they've discovered so far and all that jazz. Like, it's like he really went above and beyond in that kind of research. Except, obviously, the Tesseract is just kind of made up and, you know, just kind of put out yeah. there. And he just had to come up with something. I'm not sure how I feel about the physical, um, like, uh, What's what's the word? Uh, depiction, I guess, of that. It it's kind of weird looking. Like that maybe seems a little dated. Like the effects of that are a little odd to me. I think the effects mm -hmm. of everything else stand up and are so yeah, interesting. So, yeah, when I say dated, I don't mean like the graphics are really bad. I just mean like some of the stuff is like the themes or like the dialogue or whatever. It just feels like cheesy, like kind of corny. Interesting. To me. 
Like there's that part where they're in the spaceship and I don't remember the exact dialogue, but I think one of the robots is like, we can't go over here. It's impossible. And then Cooper's like, but necessary. And I'm like, yeah, that was a little cheesy. I'm like, that's how a lot of the dialogue felt to me. It's like, this feels like it's being delivered for a movie and not like an actual dialogue that people would have in real life. Sure. I, yeah. I mean, I could see that. I think, yeah. See, so for me, like whatever cheese there is in this movie, it's pretty much exclusively comes from like Cooper. Um, oh, for sure. Uh, yeah, I would agree. Everyone else is is fine. I think I don't think there's really any cheese in anyone else's performances or dialogue. Rather, um, yeah, I think my main issue is with Cooper for sure. And so for me, like that that doesn't speak to the movie. It's just you don't really like Cooper as a character, you know. And so like if you don't like the cheese in the movie, it's not necessarily the movie. It's 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 Cooper that yeah. is, that you find cheesy, which. I think is fine because that's just who he is. And if you don't, if you don't really like the cheese that you don't like the cheese, that's fine. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I don't really find the movie as a whole cheesy, but I think the cinematography is great. I think, especially like there's, a, yeah. there's a specific shot where like they're, they're outside of Saturn, I believe. And it's just like that huge wide shot and you get Saturn and the rings. And then this tiny little speck of the, um, the spaceship, you know, the whatever it's called. What's it called? The Endurance. The Endurance. And it's just like, what a shot. To me, it's like, that's, what a shot. I don't know. Like, I, I always remember that shot. It's just like, it's so good. And the music cues up perfectly. I don't think the music's cheesy at all. I think it's amazing. Um, mm-hmm. And I, yeah. I think it's paced really well, too. Like, it perfectly matches the the energy of the scene. Yeah, I really like the music, too. Um, my issue with the music is that like it went so hard for moments that didn't need to go that hard. I don't actually really? feel like it matched the energy very well. That's crazy. The, like when it matches the energy, it's phenomenal. I think it does a perfect job of capturing the moment. But there's other times when the music is playing that's like super intense, and I was like, "We're talking about dust. Like, <laughs> really? we don't need this like phenomenal score behind us." At a baseball game or whatever, you know? Um, I don't remember the music being <laughs> intense during that. I don't know if it was during the baseball game. I just remember thinking, like, the music's at, like, a 10, and I need it to be, like, at a 4. <laughs> like, wow, that's crazy. I totally disagree. I don't think there's any... I don't think there's any moments where there's something insignificant happening on the screen where the music is not matching that energy at all. I think it's actually paced perfectly. I think... There's there's moments where it does get, you know, ratcheted up, but I think it actually makes sense like particularly the scene when um when they're detaching, you know, the different shuttles or whatever and uh what's her face uh brand. brand. Yeah, brand is like all of a sudden she makes that realization and she just start kind of starts panicking and all that stuff. I think the music ratcheting up at that point is perfect. I think the music going on and how intense it is when they're trying to redock with the endurance after that explosion. Oh, for sure. Like, that part's great. That's amazing. I Yeah, I, I think there are parts of this yeah. of the music that are phenomenal. Like they're yeah. perfect, they're great. There are just other times where I'm like, what's going on? That's so interesting. <laughs> I, I couldn't possibly identify any of those times. That's funny. But That's um funny. especially also like that that one wide shot that I'm talking about when they're when they're first like in space and they're it's kind of, you know, Saturn and all that stuff and they're getting ready for the long nap or whatever it's called. Um and the music is just so like 
serene. You know what I mean? Like it's mm-hmm. it's just kind of there and it just feels like space. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm in space all of a sudden with the movie. That's how I feel. I don't know. Maybe there's bias. No, I don't think there is bias. I do love Christopher Nolan, but his latest films I have not been crazy on. Like I think that he really figured it out. He Like for me, at least what I'm looking at or looking to get out of from a film like this is his masterpiece to me. Like I, th- Interstellar is. I think like Inception's great, but I'm never in the mood to watch it for some reason. I think it's great though. I don't think there's really anything negative to say about that film. Prestige is probably maybe tied for first. As <laughs> I far always as forget go. that he did Prestige. Oh, dude, that movie's so good. That ending will always haunt me. I don't want to spoil yeah. it though, but. Because we watched that in theaters, and um, I remember not being prepared for that film at all, mentally. And I was just like, whoa. And I think I, I had to stay up super late because I was thinking way too much about like the ending of that. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, it really haunted me. But um, yeah, what I wanted to say with like Oppenheimer before, like that, people are saying that this that movie is his masterpiece. And I'm just like- Oppenheimer is? Yeah. And I'm like, it's like the movie of the century is what people are saying. I'm like, I don't know- what you're talking about i think that he's taken steps back with this film i think he had it figured out with interstellar and i don't know what's going on with because the music and you know you know me the absence of music is far more powerful than the constant presence of music because to me i need time to miss it i need time i like because if you don't have an absence of music then it doesn't hit you hard when it comes back in Right. Yeah. And so it's just like this movie has that in spades. Like it just cuts out at the perfect moments. And I, I have examples. Um, I had to write my notes on a piece of paper this time because I don't have my laptop to watch the movie anymore because I had to give it back to the company. <laughs> so I wrote it down while I wanted, while I watched it on the big screen because I didn't want to watch it on my my laptop or on my on my desktop computer in this crappy chair. But um yeah, I just I have like fifty thousand notes in here. The absence of music is so good in this film. Like, it's just like it, it cuts out at just the right moments. I think, mm-hmm. especially like the music is like barely playing or not playing at all when Matt Damon's character um, is what's his name, man, is man. trying to dock and all that stuff. It's just like barely there, and you're just like it's so intense. Whereas a lot of other movies, I feel like, and current Christopher Nolan films, the music would be intense in that part. And and that's like fine, but then if the music is is intense in that part, and then it's also intense in the redocking when it's spinning violently, then it wouldn't be as big of a deal when they're trying to get back on to the endurance. And so it's yeah. just like it's like Hans Zimmer was like, no, we are making it as uneasy as possible to keep people on the edge of their seat. Like, is he going to dock? Because if he docks, they're screwed, right? But yeah. if they if they if 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 he doesn't dock. You know, then it's like, okay, breath of fresh air, but now it's spinning violently. Now we ratchet up the music. Everyone's there. Like, are they going to dock? Of course, like, he's not going to, Christopher Nolan's not going to let them dock. Like, or they're not, not going to let them dock. But you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think it's brilliant personally. The music is just perfect. I'm trying to, I'm going to, I got to, you, you talk for a little bit. I'm going to look for some examples of when the, mu- yeah, the music cuts I, out. I did put some notes down about the music. Yeah. Um, I think it's this isn't the music part, but I loved um, when man was in the airlock and he was giving his little he starts to give his like little speech and then it just explodes. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. I love like, that. That was brilliant to me. I'm like, yes. yeah, because it's like this guy just thinks he's so philosophical, and then he just he yeah. just dies it's violently. Awesome. It's so good. It's awesome. Thank goodness. I was just like, I don't yeah, want to hear so this good. douchebag talk. Yeah, um, yeah. So there's the 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 music cuts out when they get into space, and I think that that's brilliant because there's nothing. There's yeah, nothing in space. It's, it's a vacuum. void, right? So it's just like, ooh, I that's I think that's brilliant. really cool. That's super cool. I love it when the music... Maybe this is an example of what you're talking about where things are getting pretty intense. But I think it, it becomes powerful because of what I'm about to describe. But when he's watching all those videos of the years that he's missed, you know, and then Tom, his son, um, says his last goodbye on the on the videos, and, and the music gets pretty intense in that part. It just keeps ratcheting up and up. So maybe that's a part that... Um, you could classify as like it's like this doesn't match what's going on but it cuts out right when the video stops and to yeah, me I remember that, that remember like that, that like hits hard it's like that's the end of the video you don't get to see your kids anymore or whatever and then obviously um, yeah. Murph comes on a brief second later on her birthday where she's the same age as him um, but to yeah, me, it's that really was abrupt really... too, and it makes you feel that same sense of shock that yeah. Cooper felt, you know. So I did really like that. No, I'm talking about. Um, I just feel like there's, and I could be wrong. This is just like the impression that I walked away with was like the music just went so hard and like so intense for some scenes that yeah, was sure. like I don't really know why this is supposed to be so intense. Like they're just talking sure. about some stuff, you know. Yeah, but I yeah again I don't I can't think of any of those moments because yeah. Um, I don't pay as much attention to music as you do, though. The last thing, if, here, here's why I'm like gushing about the music so much. I feel like it's been a really long time, at least for me. Like I like the music in um, Promising Young Woman and some of the other films, obviously. But it's been a while in the films that we've covered where I'm like, yes, like I'm like it's such a unique soundtrack. It doesn't sound like anything else that I've ever heard in a movie before. Like you could yeah. definitely say in my opinion, you could definitely say that about this film. You've never oh, heard this sure. soundtrack ever. Whereas like yeah, the any Marvel iconic, film, I feel like yeah. Any Marvel film, you can just exchange the music for any of the other ones and it's fine. Yeah. You know? That's a good point. But the last thing, maybe or maybe there's more that I'll say throughout the but the last like major note that I have is the music when man is taking um, Cooper out to, you know, figure out those different spots where they're going to set up camp or, and, and all that jazz. Um, the music is so, it's not necessarily creepy, but for some reason, because of like its elegance in the moment where they're trying to just figure out a place to set up, you know, pods and camps and stuff like that. It it makes you feel uneasy. You which know is something so bad is about to happen. Exactly. Yeah. Even though the tone of the music is not necessarily creepy, you know what I mean. It's like for some reason, yeah, this no, is I doing agree. It for me. I think in in part it's also because um, it's cutting back to Tom and um, Murph's stories as well. Yeah. So you're getting these pretty intense cuts across the three family members right. and they're all kind of in the climax of their own story arcs. Yeah. So I think that that's where it's going to is like, um, you know, Murph's, I, I can't remember if it's Murph's or Tom's, but one of them has like a really overt climax, like something 
like we're on the precipice of something really important. Yeah, right. And then you cut back, you cut back to Cooper, and it's like, oh, they're just scouting locations. But you know, because of the music and because of the other scenes, it's being paralleled against that something is like big, big is about right. to happen. And then, yeah, yeah. On, that's true because also at the same time, it's cutting back to Romley, um, back trying to get yeah. into that that decommissioned robot. And so mm-hmm. you, and obviously Case or Tars, I can't remember. I think it's Case is like trying to get in, but there's something wrong. So it's like, there's like the literal dialogue in there saying that something's wrong. And, yeah. And so that maybe. But all those scenes that. are played together yeah. really well back yes. to back that it, they like intensify that sense of unease yeah. um, without overtly being uneasy in some of the scenes. Yeah. So it's really well done. That part is for sure. Yeah, that's true. I kind of want to pivot over to the editing a little bit. I think, I think that's the editing's good. phenomenal. I, I, I don't see anything wrong with it. Maybe, maybe according to you, maybe there's some scenes or parts that take just stretch on a little bit too long. To me, that doesn't really end up being the case. I, there's a particular cut that I think is just brilliant. Where going back to those all the that archive of videos and and Cooper watching all of them, and then Murph, um you know says her only whole thing about them being the same age and she's a he's abandoned her and all that jazz and then when the video cuts out we're now reintroduced into Murph's life she's like we've mm-hmm. been solely focused and you don't really realize it that you're so focused on everything going on in space because you're just you know you're in it right and then yeah and then it the video ends and then it cuts into murph and you're like oh yeah that's her, right there's this whole thing yeah, going you see on her turning Earth. it off yeah exactly and yeah it cuts into yeah. her turning off the video and continuing on in her timeline which is just so interesting to me i think it's so ah it's just so i thought that that cut was just perfect you know yeah I don't know. yeah i um I mean, I think for me, the main issues that I have with this movie are the length. I think sure. I feel like it doesn't need to be this long. Um, and I think you nailed it. Cooper's character. I think I have a lot of problems with his characters, not necessarily just his acting, but like the intrinsic motivations for his character and like some of the stuff his character does. And then just some of the dialogue in general across yeah. Um, but yeah, so kind of like the time, some of the dialogue and then some of the characters stuff. Ah, I think I've, I think I've figured it out because, um, I do feel like you are more in for like, you obviously appreciate like all the, uh, you know, other things like music and all that stuff, but you're not necessarily looking out for it, but you do look out for maybe the messages and the plot points a little bit more than I do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I actually really like the message of this movie, yeah. and we'll kind of get into it a little bit more. But, okay, so, like, here's my main... Like, with Cooper, one of my main things is, like, there's a lot of this, like, pressure and buildup for when he's in the Tesseract or whatever, yeah. and he's, like, so upset, and he wishes that he would stay, and he spells out stay, you know? And it's, like, you're invested in his character because you're, like... Oh, he regrets going. He like misses Murph so much. He like wishes he hadn't made these decisions. Like right. you feel for him as a character. And then two seconds later, he's giving himself binary that started this whole thing, you know? Yeah. So it's like really frustrating to me because like as an audience, we don't really get to sit with his regret for very long. Yeah, sure. Because like it burns out so quickly. Like, well, then the movie this- would have been even longer, Big T. 
<laughs> well, I just feel like it's sloppy writing for me. Sure. I don't feel like that is paced very well. Sure. Because like the whole like driving force for Cooper after um, the first planet is like he wants to get home. He regrets yeah. this. He's upset. And then when he hears out that when he finds out that like there was no plan A ever, you can tell he's like he regrets going on this thing. Yeah. And then you see that come to fruition and he's the ghost of the person that told him to stay. Yeah. But then it's like literally like within a few minutes, he's then giving himself binary. So he now he does want him to go on this mission like that just felt a little. He's not giving himself binary. He's giving Cooper or uh, Murph binary. Yeah, but binary for the location of NASA so that he Cooper goes on the mission. Oh yeah, that's true. Well, you know, because so, I well, that so I think personally or not personally, I think this gets into a Christopher Nolan thing where he he makes every film with the intention that audiences are going to go see it multiple times so that they can figure out why, you know, maybe some of the decisions were made or understanding a really complex concept and all that stuff. I yeah, that's that is a thing that people with this part of the, I've never had a problem with this film because I've actually, or with this part of the film, because I've always just kind of, I kind of had it, I kind of understood it. Um, like for some reason, it's just like, I, I got it. Um, cause he's given himself, I think there's, yeah, like you said, he's not really sitting with it and maybe they're not doing a great, maybe it is sloppy writing and they're not doing a great job explaining what's going on in his head. But I think what's going on in his head is a very human thing where he really regrets going on the mission because he in that moment right there he just desperately wants to be with his daughter again because he's missed so much or whatever and he's realizing yeah maybe it would have been worth just dying on earth and then like and then we could have been together and all that stuff but i think there's a quick there's a well we don't know how long he's been in the tesseract for right That, that maybe that's a problem with editing too you don't really get a sense of how long he's potentially he's been sitting there for like three hours and he's just thinking about everything and then finally he's just like hmm well here's the thing we need to figure out a way to get this data back to cooper so or to murph so that she can figure out the gravity situation but in order to do that i'm the only one who can be in this moment of time in order to yeah, speak to her. I have to be here. So I to have do to this. go on the mission to do this. So I'm going to send myself the coordinates so that I can continue the mission, which sucks. But in the grand scheme of things, my daughter won't die because I will give her all the data that she needs to get Earth out into space and real humanity will be saved and not a bunch of, yeah. you know, whatever, the eggs and all that stuff. Embryos. The embryos, or whatever, yeah. yeah. And so it's just like, to me, that makes sense. It's just you don't really get a lot of time to understand that because we we through the editing we don't know how long it's taken. I get that that's like his motivation for giving himself binary. I just think it's really sloppy writing when sure. like the the tension for Cooper in the first two hours or whatever of this movie is like he wants to get home because he misses his daughter and he's like made this big mistake and then that like flips on a dime i just feel like it's really cheap to do that like you have all this driving tension and then you immediately just like don't really like resolve i just don't feel like it's navigated very well or paced very well sure um the when it comes to that like issue and also i really love the uh, concept of like the 
ghost of a character is like them from the future or the past or whatever, right. like Haunting of Hill House does this perfectly. Yeah. I love how it's done in Haunting of Hill House. This, it just feels like it was like, oh, we want this really cool concept where like the characters, when we watch them the first time, they're like interacting with these things that we don't know what they are. And then at the end of the movie, or like later in the movie, you learn like, oh, it was us that they were interacting with. Like the ghost was Cooper and all this different stuff. Or like the person that was reaching through that space time thing to brand when they first launched, like that was also Cooper. It just feels like, okay, and like you took this really cool concept of it, like it was us all along. And then you just kind of like shoehorned it into multiple different events because you're like, I love this concept. And I'm like, it's a great concept, but it's not done very artistically. It's just, it feels really forced or artificial to I me. I could see that. I could see, I could see them writing the film and directing the film and having this, all these different ideas of moments that they really want to achieve. But now we need a reason for them to get to that moment. And so that was like the Tesseract was more of the afterthought of like, okay, we need a physical representation of time let's do this or whatever. And these beings have put this in here and you know, they're doing this and, and whatever so that we can explain how they get the data and all that jazz. Cause obviously they need to get the data so they can get into space. And, mm-hmm. and I love this idea of uh, brand reaching out and giving a handshake to some being or whatever. How can we figure out a, a reason for why that is like, is it a being? Is it not? How do we, I could see that for sure. Yeah. I feel like they're just trying to like have this wow factor of like, it was Cooper all along. Like, Oh my God, you know? And it's like, okay, like, but that doesn't add anything to the plot. Yeah. You know, like in Haunting of Hill House, it adds to the plot and it makes it so much more beautiful. And this one, it's like, okay, they like, you had a handshake with Cooper in the Tesseract, like big deal. Right. Which I think was (laughs) supposed to be a representation of like their relationship and actually maybe it's more than you know just a co-worker type of relationship and it's a little bit closer than that and so maybe that was just one way to do it i have no idea but it might have been who knows because you don't really you don't really get the sense that they're you know falling in love with each other or whatever Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden murph at the very end when she's dying is just like hey like you should go to brand and maybe they just like that idea of them going back together. Yeah, that's the other thing, yeah. too. It's like you don't really get any of this romantic subplot between them. Exactly. I mean, you get some yeah. stuff and you kind of expect it because it's like two famous actors. They're going to fall in love or whatever. Sure. But like, I don't know. It just felt like really forced up parts. Yeah, sure. Um, I can see that. The other thing, like a big plot hole or maybe it's not a plot hole, but I don't understand it is like the brand's dad he, from my understanding, he lied to Cooper about plan A so that Cooper would take the spacecraft to go put embryos or whatever on a viable planet. You mean take the spacecraft at the end or pilot the whole mission? No, when when he's dying, when Brand is dying. Yeah. Um, Which us, he like dies at the worst time possible. Like it's, I'm like, that's so over the top to me. It's like, yeah. he dies right when he reveals this big secret or blah, blah, blah. But he tells Murph, oh, I was lying the whole time. And then for my understanding, it was hard to understand, but he says, um, essentially like Cooper didn't even have to go on this mission. No, right? no, you didn't hear the rest of the sentence because I was I was hearing that too, and I was just like, "Why?" Like I was I was gonna have a critique about that. No, he he 
Oh, what was the full thing? Because I heard that part too, but he goes on in the sentence and it makes more sense. Um, Because my understanding was that Cooper went on this mission because Dr. Brand Sr. told Cooper, if you go on this mission, we could save everyone on humanity. Plan A, right? Right. And then if that doesn't work, plan B is we just put some embryos on a planet or whatever. And then his big reveal on his deathbed is that he didn't think plan a was actually a possibility. Yeah. Right. It was never going to actually be. Able so to it's happen. like he used plan a to trick Cooper to go fly the planes to go fly the spaceship. Right. Yeah. Well, to, and he needed yeah. him to fly the spaceship because no one else could fly the spaceship. He's, he was the best pilot that NASA had ever had or whatever. But what did they need him to do in that spaceship? fly it to a planet to put embryos to on a viable his, planet well to well i think i think brand still professor brand had the hope that plan a could work but like or not not that it could well no that's true he he already knew that there it was wrong the whole time that it wasn't going to work or whatever yeah because that's what man's whole thing is about of like he lo- like doc like the dr brand senior lost his humanity in trying to save humanity at well at the same time i think he has an understanding of like really cooper is fully capable of thinking on his feet in case something does go wrong they just don't really explain it but i i personally i think and maybe i'm making excuses or whatever i have no idea but or bringing explanations in so that i can make sense of it but in my head professor brand just understands that a computer probably would have taken like overly cautious measures and the mission would have never carried out and they would have never ended up going to a planet that was habitable. This is what confuses me is I don't know. I just feel like that's really weak motivation. I feel like if the plan all along was to just put some embryos on a viable planet, you could do that. Like without, well, they still Cooper. needed to find the right planet. I mean, the mission still needed to, even if it wasn't a Plan A mission, the it doesn't really matter. That motivation doesn't matter because they still had to make sure that they found the right planet for those embryos to actually thrive. Well, yeah, but Cooper doesn't do anything about finding the right planet. He just drives the bus. All the he other does, scientists, though. he doesn't do any of the sciencey stuff to make sure it's viable. Really, yeah, does he? But he's got a level head, and he makes like logical yeah, decisions you, you're you boy scouts or whatever <laughs> yeah he like, makes logical decisions of where they should be going obviously one of them was i just totally find it wrong. difficult that there's not ever a single other person on the planet that could fly the ship yeah like, that is one thing like if cooper's the only one i mean maybe also what was their plan if cooper hadn't randomly shown up to the they were gonna go like anyway. i know that they were just gonna do it like autopilot or whatever but like, yeah that is a clearly, massive plot hole I agree. Clearly, Professor Brand thought it was viable enough to do it. And it's like, oh, thank God this great pilot showed up. And it's yeah. like, you didn't even research to see if he was alive. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. One day you're like, oh, like we need a pilot. And then the next day you're like, we couldn't do this without you, Cooper. You're so important to the mission. Yet we didn't even put an effort to see if you were alive still. Like, yeah, that to me is just the motivation for the characters seems like, again, it feels a little too forced, like it's trying to make these like big reveals and like, oh, my God, look at this huge sacrifice or all this deception. But I'm like, this just doesn't seem like it would happen in real life. Yeah, no, (laughs) no. Yeah, there's there's definitely a lot of just let's just explain this in so that we could justify why we have Matthew McConaughey in the film. Um, 
<laughs> like that you're 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 probably right. I, like the reason like the plot points are probably the laziest part of this film, but yeah. they are vehicles to get the amazing visuals, the music, <laughs> the, the amazing music, in my opinion, the amazing performances and yeah. And, um, which yeah. is fine. I'm fine with you, but I'm fine with that. But I just, it's hard for me to take the hard sell on like, this is this like super phenomenal movie when I'm like, yeah, sure. there are some really massive plot holes that right. don't cause that, that for me pulls me out of a movie. If it's like really unrealistic, I'm like, yeah. this would never happen in real life. I just don't find this very, um, like feasible and it just kind of pulls me out of the the movie which is why i'm saying like you're like like i don't focus on plot points as much as other people but oh. other people focus what you good your audio just went really fuzzy oh sorry yeah i'm not really focused on plot points as much whereas other people are way focused on plot points and the yeah, plot, and the music plot and character makes up a story though <laughs> I think the character's and, fine though. It's just like their their reasoning behind just like justifying why they're doing what they're doing isn't the greatest. And yeah, yeah. I understand. I understand. It's important. But at the same time, I I I don't think the plots like there needs to be a balance cuz there's people where like the and I've said this before, the performances could be crap, but the plot's so cool. So I'll keep watching. You know what I mean? And it's like, "No, yeah. that's not good enough for me." Like, mm-hmm. whereas, like, I guess you're on the complete opposite, where it's just like, well, the plot has to be good, but, like, not the complete opposite. You care about other stuff, but... Yeah, you know I agree. I, mean? I just feel like if the plot is really, like, silly and unrealistic or, like, not very well thought out, it makes me appreciate the movie a lot less. Like, I can still yeah, enjoy sure. a movie that has a really dumb plot. Can you? But I'm not gonna... I can, because there's You apparently Dragon say Wars. this isn't great. Oh, get out of here. Dude... If you bring that movie up one more time, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, also, I, one other thing I want to say about this, and then we don't have to talk about plot and character anymore. But, um, like, I find it so funny that Cooper's, like, main motivation is getting back to Earth, and he doesn't even care about Tom. <laughs> yeah, that is one thing. I don't know why. Like, he literally, all he cares about is Murph. Yeah. Like he doesn't he doesn't even ask if Tom is alive still. Yeah, that's like, true. When he wakes up, all he cares about is Murph. I'm like, dude, you're really bad. You're like a really bad dad to your son. He's not a really bad dad. He just doesn't give him as much attention as as the other one because the other one feels so much. So he feels like he has to put a little bit more into her. Whereas Tom's like, he's he's good. You know, he's got things figured out. He's okay. good for the farm. That's so bad, though. You can't just, like, not pay attention to children or not, like, show not trying, as much I'm love. Sure. Well, I know. I'm just saying it's, like, this is, again, like, an issue that I have with his character. His character feels really unrealistic, or if this really is his character, he's kind of, like, not a lovable character. He, like, doesn't even ask if Tom is okay. T- Tom, to me, in this movie, feels like a plot device to get information to... Cooper about Murph without Murph having to talk to him because she's still mad at him. Yeah, yeah, right. I yeah, I agree. At the same time, it is a movie, and the movie's not about Tom at all. It's about Murph and Cooper. I know, but they don't have Tom in it. Like, it's weird to me to be like this movie is about this movie is about love and like the power of love, and it's like oh, but he only the like he only loves his daughter enough he doesn't love tom like yeah, yeah that sure. to me is like 
why is Tom in this if he's not integral to the message? You know what I mean? I guess. I, I I guess I see what you're saying. That's probably another just explaining away like the farm and why they would still have the farm because Tom yeah. is running it and he's keeping it and all that yeah. jazz. That's probably one reason. Um, but I mean, at the same time, it's just like, was Tom going to go look at the watch and figure out that it's binary? No. They explained plenty that he's not. He's not really testing no, that I high. That. He's built to be a farmer. Murph is the one that needs to be communicated. So in the short span of a movie, you have to focus on the actual things that are act- like, you know what I mean? Yeah, that I, get that. I get, get that. I get get the reasoning behind it. I feel like for me, it's like if your movie is going to be about like love, particularly the love that a father has for his children. Yeah, sure. And then you cut out 50% of the children sure. when it comes to that love. It just feels a little weird to me. Yeah, sure. They could have um, they could have had him added in a couple of lines where it's like how's Tom? Yeah, or like they could have been like, "Is Murph alive?" Also, what about my other child, Tom? Is he also alive? Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, I could see that. But yeah, anyway, I don't want to hate on it too much because I do agree with you. I think the music is great. Some of the cinematography I think is really phenomenal. Um, I love the planets that they visit too. Yeah. I feel like they're visually very, very cool. Yeah, um, cool concept. Both of the planets um, are pretty dope. That big tidal wave is sick. It is sick. Uh, and I also actually really liked man's sort of like subplot. I thought yeah. that that was a really cool element because up until that point, all of the foes that Cooper and um brand and the team have been facing have all been like natural yeah. they're like space or time or gravity or whatever but then when you get man you get like a physical villain kind of in a sense um yeah. who's not really a villain though right it's like he's human yeah sure um so i i just i really liked man's i wonder if it's man's a little character. on the nose that his name is man which is i know i was thinking the same thing like, like oh he's just trash. a man yeah whatever yeah um, no, yeah, I thought, and I mean, if you go back, if you haven't seen this film, you know, you'll get, when when you first talk, or sorry, if you hadn't seen this film before, like, listening to this or whatever, obviously we're spoiling it right now, but for some reason, like, going back to when the film came out, Matt Damon being in this film was like, what the, like, where did he come from? Like, we weren't mm-hmm. expecting him to be in this movie at all, you know? It's like this weird random, I had that. Yeah. I had that with like every single person in this movie because oh, really? this movie has so many famous people. Yeah, yeah. Like you have Timothy Chalamet, you have he, not uh, famous Jessica at Chastain. that point at all, though, right? I know, yeah. but he's like famous now, right? Yeah, yeah. You have Jessica Chastain, you have Matthew McConaughey, Anne Hathaway, John Lithgow, I think is his name, the grandpa. Yeah. Um, and then you have um, uh. Oh, Topher Grace, I think is his name. <laughs> yeah, we could take him out of the film, though, in my opinion. But yeah, his character gets so introduced so abruptly. Yeah, like, he He's like a doctor or a nurse or whatever. Yeah. And then you meet him, and I was like, wait, is that Topher Grace? <laughs> like, yeah. What? <laughs> For me, it kind of takes me out of the film a little bit. I don't it know did. what it For is. For me, about too, because I was like, whoa, he's like a secondary character that we're only just now getting introduced to. But And then he kind of plays a bigger role later. But this does have an, like an all star cast for sure. Yeah. The thing about, yeah, I totally agree with you. The thing about Topher Grace is just like when we have elements of humor in the film, it's very sarcastic and just, you know, kind of maybe a darker tone of comedy, I guess, in a way. And then Topher's just like this zany, wacky 
like perform yeah. not not really wacky, but you know, relatively like like compared to all the other things, his performance is more like uh like just Yeah, very fun. that seventies show. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> like you're getting a Topher Grace very sitcom yeah, performance, which is not it kind of takes me out of the film. But for I don't know, Christopher Nolan, I feel like he likes working with random people sometimes and sometimes it kinda takes me out just a little bit. Yeah. Like an Oppenheimer Josh from Drake and Josh is in it, you know? So it's just like what? Yeah, he's in it for a little bit. And um he he actually does a fine job or whatever. He's not in it for that long. But um but it's still like that's Josh from Jake and Josh. Like that's where my mind goes. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, right? You're like wait a instead second. Instead of sticking with Oppenheimer, I'm all of a sudden <laughs> singing the theme song to Drake yeah. and Josh in my head. <laughs> but <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Um Oh, what was I was going to say you you mentioned something a little bit ago that made me think of something to say but i can't remember maybe it would be a good time to get into like subtle details a little bit though because i i there's a few subtle details that i think are pretty cool with like the dust kind of stuff going on like at the very beginning like you get kind of this kind of glimpse into their what their day-to-day life is where you know they wake up in the morning and the plates are overturned on the table they got to turn them and scrape the dust off or wipe the dust off and all that stuff so they can have breakfast which sounds like a miserable existence like just having to clean up every morning before you even eat you know breakfast that sucks. Yeah, I was like, wow, this is like the Tri-Cities. <laughs> it's not yeah, it's not great. But I just thought that, that was cool. And then to kind of bring that back in um at the end when he when Cooper is at his like replica house or maybe it's the real house. Was it the real house and they moved it? My understanding was it was a replica. A replica. Who knows? And then, I have no idea. But he goes over to the table and wipes it and feels yeah, like there's like, no dust. I thought that that was a cool little thing to just kind of have it. Yeah, end. I liked it too. Um, and then, I mean, I I just thought that the performances, especially when there's all this stuff going on that's natural happening around them. It's just like they're doing such a great job, like being in that moment. And from my understanding, like they actually built screens for them to see like all the visual effects, so that they could actually act towards something. Which, That's cool. which a lot of movies are doing now. Like they have what's it? The volume, I think, is what they're calling it, or something. Where they actually have, like in the Batman, it was called the volume, and they actually had like Gotham City in the background for them to look at when they were acting, instead of just a green screen and putting Gotham in That's the background. Cool. Yeah. So I I actually like that a lot because you get really like genuine like they were actually reacting to all these visual effects. Yeah, you know? especially cuz you know a big chunk of it is them reacting to like the environment around them. Yeah. But also like when he when Cooper is entering into the black hole and he's describing everything that's happening, he's also doing a great job acting as far as um like you feeling the weight of the gravity, like pressing up against them, and he's like, Ugh. yeah. When he's like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just like, oh, I was like, oh man, I I can't breathe right now. It's really intense. <laughs> and then also, there's just something about space and the vastness of it, kind of like an ocean, where it just freaks me out. And the idea, dude, yeah. of a thing telling you to eject in a black hole or wherever they're at, and then he just ejects. Yeah. That's I would not I wouldn't I would not I would be like no I'm not ejecting I'm in a spacecraft like you know what I mean I'll die I'm in space yeah <laughs> I don't know to me like maybe that was like a weird thing to you and you didn't like it but to me that that was like that got my anxiety up a lot like you're gonna eject just your suit in space yeah that's why because well, I was I was confused for a second I was like this is a spaceship why would they have like an eject 
an eject sure. function yeah. in right. space. But I think it's because that's the thing that goes in the planet. So it's like a plane. Yeah, know? sure. And he was yeah, just yeah, using yeah. it in space. Right. But yeah, when he ejected, I was like, oh my God, you're like going to be floating around in space for yeah. the rest of your life. Or, or in a black hole. I'm a little confused. Yeah. Is and that's like, a, that's hole? another plot point that I'm yeah. like weird about is they're like oh we barely f- we found you with just a few minutes of oxygen I'm like how did you find him he's in a black hole yeah like, right well at the end at the end though when he's outside of the tesseract the black hole he's not even there anymore he's in he's in their solar system in front of saturn again well that's the thing that's confusing is like you have this huge issue for the first half of the movie where it's like the answer's inside the black hole, but we just can't get inside the black hole. And that's like, oh, poof, we magically be able to get into a black hole and you survived it, you know? Right. Well, what's the so space? It's I like, think Romley explains, although it's probably just fake and they just made it for the movie that if you maybe if you go fast enough, like you can pass through the weight of the gravity and it'll be fine. I'm sure that's not scientifically I know, but it's accurate like, at all. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, I just like, for me, it's like, you can't use that as like a plot point to increase suspense and tension. And then just like magically solve the problem when you need that to yeah, be sure. resolved. Right. Yeah. There's you a know? lot of magical solutions all of a sudden. Yeah. It, it's like it very does. deus ex machina going on. It's like, yeah, right. it just comes in and solves all the problems. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, one thing that, it's funny that the ejection scene gave you a lot of anxiety because it sounds like you do have anxiety about like space and stuff like that. Yeah. What gave me a ton of anxiety was when they were on the Miller's planet and um, they're losing all that time. Yeah. Uh, that ratcheted yes. my anxiety up because I have a lot of time anxiety and like my whole thing is like oh my god I'm wasting so much time doing this thing like I'm not going to be able to do these other things that I want like that's the anxiety that I have and then knowing that you're on this planet and every what is it every hour is every hour a year? Is seven years seven years yeah. yeah it's like um like that just hit my anxiety yeah, yeah, yeah. and I was like oh I don't like this <laughs> Yeah, Like, I don't like that feeling of, like, having to race against the clock and, like, not having enough time to do something. And so that really, like, hit me. Yeah, the amount of the amount of time that passes in that scene, obviously, like, with editing, there's there's more that's going... Like, there's more time than what we're actually seeing. Because, like, to us, like, they're just on the planet for maybe, like, 10 minutes. But in reality, I think yeah. they were there for, like, 3.1... Probably over one. three hours. Yeah, yeah. 3.1 hours or something like that because it was, like, 23 years i believe on earth um yeah dude yeah i i thought that after that scene it's like i mean that whole scene is awesome but even after that scene like and they're back up in um in their shuttle or they're up in the air and they're getting back to the endurance i believe or something like that and he's just like losing it on her oh no 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 that's when the tidal wave happens yeah and they're in the ship and they have to wait for the exhaust to you know come like to whatever you have to pump out all the water pump out all the water yeah all that stuff and he's just losing it on her and you just you can feel like the fact that yeah. i was only supposed to be about seven or like maybe five years older than my daughter and now i'm gonna be like 20 or like she's gonna think that i've completely abandoned her now thanks a lot brand mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah, yeah i don't care about tom but my daughter oh, yeah, i sure. can't believe you did this to yeah, my sure. daughter sure. no i agree with you i feel like that scene is like very very riveting because right. like th- and i think that's a scene where the music is phenomenal because you just like that you get that sense of anxiety and like when any little thing goes wrong you're stressed out because a, a second is so much more than a yeah. second which is cool um, with the music i, I know mm-hmm. that there's like a ticking clock in the background i can't remember exactly what each 
tick. It's like it's time to the seconds, I think, and each second is like a month or whatever that's passing away. So it's actually like a music, like it's a an audio cue yeah. of how much time they're losing as they're on that planet, mm-hmm. which is really cool, really brilliant on Hans Zimmer's part, I think. Um, yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. Again, that planet's awesome. Like the idea of just the tidal wave that's going endlessly or or whatever it is. I don't even know. Just around the entire planet. I th- it's like a big tsunami forever. Forever. That's so cool. And the whole concept of like when they're talking about it, like she probably just landed hours ago and she just died minutes ago. And like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, because it's so close to Gargantua, what a cool, like, like it's just nuts to think about. Just like that person has been gone for 10 years, but according to their time, you know, they would have just missed, they would have just missed each other, you know, mm-hmm. according to Miller's timeline, which is just crazy to think about. And that is one thing I was just like, what is it, Doyle? Why didn't, what are you waiting to look around for? Just get on the ship, I was kind of confused by that, too. I think it was the shock, maybe, because, I mean, they kind of talk earlier, like, they've only, they haven't stepped out of the simulation. Like, you've actually had hands-on experience when Professor Brand's talking to uh, Cooper. And so, like, that's my explanation for it. Like, he's just really wasn't expecting any of this to see a huge tidal wave that's going to take like that was probably his shock of yeah, like he just this, freezes. this planet's actually uninhabitable. Dang it. Yeah. <laughs> like we just wasted all this time and he's in shock that this is happening. I don't know. <sighs> to me though, I'm just like I that's that's also a thing in the dialogue. It's like, "Hey, uh Cooper, why don't you just say, "Hey, we'll just let's just get back on the plane and we'll fly above the tidal wave and we'll come back down and go grab the data if it's really that important. We'll lose another five minutes or whatever, or ten minutes. Yeah. But, like, just get on, make sure we're safe, and then no one has to die. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. That's one Yeah, thing. I feel like with his death, too, that I don't remember the other guy's name, but... Doyle. Like, it just... Doyle. It just feels like a lot of the characters are put in here so that it's, like... Oh, we need like a secondary character to die, and it's to like raise the stakes a little bit, yeah, yeah, and it just feels really artificial to me. Yeah, sure, but um, but I mean, even I I do love that scene. I feel like it's yeah. so intense with the, and then she's like sobbing on the ground, and she's like, "I'm so sorry, like I can't believe this or whatever." It is there. There is a thing with Christopher Nolan. Um, he kind of insists on having as many like practical effects as possible, and that one thing that kind of takes me out a little bit when Doyle's like case or Tars or whatever, go get, maybe it is case case, go get brand. And, um, and when he starts like going, it's like the slowest thing in the world. I'm like, he's not going to make it in time. She's dead, dude. <laughs> that thing's going like one mile per hour. But then all of a sudden it's like super fast and yeah, whatever. Yeah. So, and then he dies, but that's, that's because I think there was in a lot of cases, <laughs> pun intended, uh, like, they actually had a real actor in that robot body thing, like moving around, you know, walking like an orangutan. <laughs> so really, yeah, I think there was a real person. God, that thing was so stupid looking, though. Really? <laughs> I I mean, it doesn't look amazing, but it in, like in a grounded three cardboard boxes glued together. Yeah, but in a grounded world, like they're gonna have some like AI, like actual, like a iRobot robot in there. I don't think so. That would have taken me right out of the movie. I don't know yeah. how else. No, you I agree. Done it. it was just like. 
so funny looking to me. Like if it was spherical, that would have taken me out of this movie for sure. But yeah. the fact that it has all these jagged edges and it doesn't resemble a human, I think, because otherwise it serves as just like a panel, like a screen or whatever to look at, you know? Yeah. I mean? So it kind of makes sense mm-hmm. to me. I don't know. I mean, the orangutan thing is a little weird, but you know, whatever. It's fine to me. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Man's Planet. Maybe this we is sh- Ivy, by the way. Whoa. Cute. Ivy's yeah. going to pee all over your carpets. <laughs> I think she actually does need to go outside soon. Okay, you need to take a break right now or what? Um, We can chill for now because she's okay. in my lap. But if she jumps down, I'll, yeah, yeah, I'll yeah. go take her out. Yeah, that anxiety of like, oh, 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 we got to go I know. on the move looking for a spot to pee or poop. Yeah. I know. Um, Let's 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 jump into, what's the name, Edmund? No. Mil- no, that was Miller's planet. Miller, man, and Edmund. Man, yeah, yeah, sorry, man. What did you think about the ice planet, the frozen planet? Like, visually? Yeah, like the frozen clouds in the sky. Like, that's so cool. Yeah, it was really, I really liked, I yeah. kind of already said this, but I really like all the planet, the both of the yeah. planets that we see. Yeah. Um, I, even if it was habitable, I would hate to live there. Oh, yeah, dude. It's like 67 hours of cold day, 67 hours of even colder nights <laughs> or like. Yeah. And oh, then geez. it just looked like every like you wouldn't be able to build anything. It was like all rock. You wouldn't be yeah. able to like plant things. Well, because he said that there was a surface. Right. So. But obviously yeah. we find out that that's not true because the part that we see is not definitely not habitable. Looks terrible. Yeah. Like no way. No chance. I wonder how yeah. much of that. I wonder where. They filmed for that specific, like I was actually wondering scene. the same thing too. Should have looked that up. That would have been cool. But um, I yeah, I don't know. I thought that that concept was cool. And then yeah, obviously introducing man, um, in the first place, it is. It's like he's a villain, but I, I understand the he's relatable the desperation <laughs> in him. You know yeah. what I mean? Like he's been there for however long, all alone, and um, even with like time being relative, like. Like on Miller's planet, like she had only been there according to her time just a few hours ago or something. But he he expressed a while that he had been there for a long time, and so that's yeah. very interesting to me. You know, um, obviously one's closer to Gargantua, so it makes sense. But um, yeah, I don't know. I just thought that that was that yeah. Was I actually really appreciate Man's introduction in this. I think it does a really good job for me of driving home. Um, a really important like theme to it. Yeah. So man has that whole speech about how um, humanity, you know, is able to extend empathy to people that they know, but yeah. that that empathy and compassion is completely lost once someone is out of their eyeline or whatever, yeah. you know? Right. Um, and I think it's really interesting because this movie is actually the opposite of that. Mm. You have all of these people who are um, putting people they don't know above the people that they do know. Mm. So yeah, yeah, right. you have Cooper who like ruins his family right. <laughs> pretty much because he wants to save this human race on a larger scale. Yeah. So that already there disproves man's theory i guess and then you also have professor brand who lies to cooper's face and gets him to essentially abandon his family um for the quote-unquote greater good yeah for the species so yeah so i thought that that was really interesting that you get this juxtaposition between like what man is saying and what 
people actually do in in the in the movie yeah there's 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 a part um kind of going off of like the whole species thing and like for humanity or whatever like just mankind in general where this was kind of our first clue that there was something going on or whatever that professor brand was lying um because he sends a video to his daughter amelia and he's 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 talking about like like it's time not to think about the individual but the species or something like that and i'm like oh like that doesn't sound good what's going on like he's really given up yeah. on plan a i guess and then you find out that plan a has not even been an option at all without the rest of the data which is very interesting and you think that they would try to figure out that's true that maybe that's another plot hole it's just like you think they would have okay well, let's develop even with our limited resources let's develop something that can transfer that signal or whatever in the black hole mm-hmm. you know figure out a plan for that you'd lose a lot of yeah. time but there i mean i guess there is always the thing like in order to get that data back time will be moving so like time you know what i mean like on earth it'll be going so long and long and long that potentially the species is completely dead anyway yeah so maybe that's no, that's worthless. why you have to be able to travel through time or whatever yeah exactly I don't know. It's cool, but yeah, yeah. But I, yeah, man is just provides that that glimpse of like desperation in humanity when you feel like you're like the whole yeah. You know, when he's talking about survival instincts kick in, what's the final thing you see, and blah blah blah. And you should also get a clue that he's gonna betray them because he's just like like you have your kids that you think, but you know it's interesting. Like even without even without a family, like I still have that survival instinct, and this is like mm-hmm. I would I. If the music was playing in the background, <laughs> I would have been like, oh, this guy's messed up. <laughs> Wait a second. What's going on here? I shouldn't be following okay, I think I need to go take her out. Okay, all right. I'll be right back. Yep. I think they actually want lunch right at 4.30. They're like, feed me. <laughs> nice. Okay, let's go. I swear, they get fed at 4.30 every day. Really? And they, I feel like they can read a clock. It was literally 429 when they came in here to tell me. <laughs> Their stomach grumbles for the first time at four, yeah, 429. Yeah, I don't know, but, and they went outside, so they should. Oh, nice. Hey, come here. You want up or no? So they should be good. Sorry about that. But kids, what can I say? <laughs> yeah, they're so much harder. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, <laughs> So I looked it up. What he says, we're going back to Professor Brand on his deathbed, just real yeah. fast, because cause, yeah, I was I was right there with you, just like oh, there's no need for him to go on this mission. I was auto filling like that line in my head, and I feel like you were too. But what he says is there was no need for him to come back. That's the like the whole line or whatever. So he's not talking about to go on the mission. There's no need for him to come back because there's not going to be anything to come back to. Like we're screwed. So they need to mm. they need to finish like do the colonization. Like that's that's the only option here. Yeah. I just find it hard to believe that they have this super advanced technology, but they can't have somebody shoot a jar of embryos into a planet <laughs> without them exploding it di- there needs to be someone to take after them i don't know can you like can't case drive <laughs> i don't think case can do much like do you see or the- find one pilot they found 12 pilots to go to the other planets can they just find one pilot to or why didn't all of the pilots just take a bunch of embryos with them and if they were inhabitable cool if not That's, cool yeah i don't know 
That's well. That well. That's the thing, though. It's just like they do reiterate quite often that there's really not that many resources, and so although they they are continuously working on that shuttle throughout like you know thirty years of time, so apparently they do have funding somehow. I don't know. Whatever. Look, I'm gonna defend this movie to the death. You piece of junk. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Also, just real quick, because while you were gone, um. I was just scrolling through and I saw inverted centaurs. Have you seen this? What is this? Have you seen this? Uh, so you know how a centaur is so. like a horse's body and then a man's yeah. like upper body? And so you get arms mm-hmm. and you get the head, but an inverted centaur would be like a horse's head with horse hooves and then like a man crawling on all fours on the bottom, basically, <laughs> <laughs> which is gross. Um, like just imagine. Bojack Horseman. I haven't seen that. Is that funny or something? You've talked. Someone's it's, talked about that. Have you talked about that? It's it's depressing, but in oh, a fun way. What the heck? All right. Um. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't know. Let me. You just saw that randomly. I was just scrolling through, and someone had, like you know, like a meme. You know, I was just scrolling through, and someone had posted that. I'm like, that is gross. <laughs> I don't want this. Um. Let me ask you, because I feel like. You said Matthew McConaughey's dialogue, but also his performance. Sorry, You're- give me one second. Um. Anyway, sorry. What about Matthew McConaughey, his dialogue? Well, you don't like his performance either. Is that like you made it sound like you didn't like his performance? Not into it? Um. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like he his character just delivers a lot of lines in a way that's like too movie-ish for me. I'm like, this isn't how real people talk. Oh. But like the emotional scenes, they were spot on, no? Yeah. Okay. I thought that they were fine. Just yeah. fine? I thought they were brilliant. I don't know. You're crazy. <laughs> like the emotional ones when he's watching the, the videos and all that stuff and he's just like... Yeah, true. That was really good. That yeah. was really emotional when he sees Murph in the Tesseract and, he, and he's going and he's trying to tell himself to stay. Yeah. I love... I will also say I do love uh, his interactions and relationship with tars personally maybe maybe you could see it as cheesy but i think that they have a lot of fun with each other and i love them as like a duo (laughs) yeah like at the end when he's like putting it back together and he's like make it 60 percent he's like you want 55 (laughs) yeah well i love tars's like delivery as well um Mm -hmm. because he just sounds so defeated when he's like like booting down to 60 percent or whatever you know like he's so (laughs) he's like really sad (laughs) yeah it's awesome I love it. Like the whole sarcastic thing going on. I love it. Um, I will. Yeah, I will say probably Tars. A a friend recently said Tars is the star of the show. And kind of like kind of actually like Bill Irwin, I guess he's the one who did the voice of Tars. I think he did. Who's Bill Irwin? Bill. I don't know. It's Steve Irwin's grandpa. I don't know, dude. (laughs) It sounds familiar. I don't know. Bill Irwin. Is Bill Irwin the one that's in the machine too? Yeah. He's walking around. Yeah. I I think. Okay. Because doesn't. Doesn't Bill isn't Bill Irwin like a big name in like the monster or like the creature department? I thought that he was like the creature that was the fawn in Pan's Labyrinth, but no, maybe I'm totally no. wrong. Not the fawn. No, no, no. That's that's another guy. I don't remember his name, but he's he's someone else. Um, uh, funnily enough, oh wait, no, that's a that's that's not a Guillermo del Toro movie. Lady, he was in Lady in the Water. I don't know. I'm trying to see. He was in. Anyway, I just some for some reason he sounds familiar, but yeah, he's no, he's not known for that kind of stuff. Speaking of Guillermo del Toro, I started watching The Strain. I don't know what that is. Oh, it's a TV show that 
Guillermo del Toro did. Oh, really? Yeah. Ooh. I'm only on episode two, but... But it's good? I've seen clips. It's it's oh, okay. older. Not I mean, not super old. Probably in the last, yeah. like, ten years, maybe. Less than ten years, probably. But um, it's... Um, it's been good. I've liked it so far. Yeah, cool. Maybe I'll maybe I'll check it. Oh, I saw clips on TikTok and I was like, "Is this a recent show?" This. Yeah, it's recent-ish. Yeah. Oh I no, you I said know an I think it's. Show. Well, no. By that, I just mean it's not going anymore. It's been. Oh, it's I finished. Yeah. I want to say I think it had four name. seasons. Okay, interesting. Anyway, I'm on IMDb and a, a thing just popped up. How would you rate Interstellar? Nine out of ten, loser. It's nine out of ten on IMDb for me. Oh, I didn't sign in. It's not going to count. Whatever. <laughs> uh, I'll sign in and give it a zero us, for you. Oh, dude, don't review bomb. Don't be one of those guys. I'm just kidding. Um, hey, do you believe we went to the moon? Yeah. What was up with that? I don't know. Like propaganda, trying to bankrupt the Soviet Union, all that stuff. Whatever. There's people that really believe that. Do you believe it? Well, I know, but why was that incorporated in like their textbooks? I think it kind of makes sense to me because I would like basically the government's like we need farmers and dreamers just we need to so we're gonna lie to we the need to squash population it. yeah we need to squash it because we need them to focus on like practical jobs. I feel like there are lots of other ways you could do that than lying about the moon. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I it's well that's the thing though. It's that's kind of a topic of discussion today. People talking about Mars and colonizing Mars and all that stuff. And that's that's actually a controversy. You know, people want to go to Mars and then a lot of other people are like, we need to take care of our planet. We should we should take care of our planet and make it like perfect again or, or not perfect, but make it habitable. Yeah, I mean, again. that's fine. You can have that discussion, but the U.S. government isn't rewriting the fact that sure. Mars is colonizable or whatever, you know what I mean? It's just, yeah, sure. it's like weird that the, like I will, the U.S. the government did that. I will say though, you get a, you get like a hint a little bit with something that, um, Cooper says that makes it sound like some really bad stuff happened in the United States. You know, yeah, all the wars and bombs, and yeah. stuff. like yeah. like we didn't, we were too busy fighting over food to go to baseball games. That's one of his lines and. And mm-hmm. so it's like we're probably not working with like the best government at this point. <laughs> probably working with like whatever's it's like left. a fascist dictatorship that's taken over. Yeah, and they're just trying to make sure people are farming corn. <laughs> I don't know. Um Yeah. Yeah, anyway. I yeah, anyway, there's people that believe that we didn't go to the moon and I'm like, I don't I mean honestly, there's a little bit of doubt for me because well um, no, well, not really doubt about the moon, honestly. Uh, not not the moon, but like these days, I don't know if I. It's it's a little bit harder to believe, actually carrying out these missions and all that stuff. I don't know exactly how you prove it because people can just people could just tell AI to make a video of us going to the moon now, or like to go to Mars or whatever. And who knows if it's actually true? I don't know. Like you know what I mean? Visual effects are that good. Yeah. Are we are we really to it's believe true. everything we see now? I don't know. Yeah. Like I said this before. Like if Jesus comes down, and that there's like people are covering it on you know f- like CNN or whatever, it's just like wait, but is that real or not? I don't <laughs> like you know what yeah, I mean. This is a deep there's fake. YouTube videos. People like I don't know. I would look at it and be like, no, that's like a Blair Witch Project thing going on. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I don't know if that's real. This movie looks good. When is it coming out? <laughs> what, what, what trailer is this for? Like it, it's gonna be harder to believe these days that you know big stuff like that happening though like us going to mars or whatever like i don't know 
it's interesting. I feel like we'll know once we go to Mars. Uh, Probably. I don't know. There's going to be people. She's telling me she needs to go out again. Oh, my gosh. Your dog needs to go. She's like a puppy. just kidding. (laughs) Yeah. What the heck is up with that? Okay. She's pooped. She's peed. She's been fed. Nice. I just have to burp her now. Oh, my God. (laughs) No problem. Um, Okay. Let me ask you this. The hibernation pods. How do you feel about those? Oh my god, those would be terrifying. <laughs> yeah, dude. Because I don't want to be sous vide. Yeah. Yeah. Dude. No, thank that's you. That's way terrifying. And that's that's actually I didn't see this in my notes earlier when I was trying to go over this. That's one of those moments. There was no music playing during that, and that made it even more like. Oh my god, I yeah. would never be able to get into that thing. I would have a panic attack immediately. Yeah, freaked me out. For like sure. knock me out and then put me in that thing. <laughs> sure. Yeah, no. Those <laughs> just like lugging my butt. <laughs> is there a thing to that? Do we have the capability of like hibernation like that at all? I don't think so. I don't so. think so. Maybe well maybe. Maybe there are places Maybe Elon, maybe the, maybe the rich We do, just don't know. But... Yeah. I have no idea. I also wanted to ask you this. Um do you think Okay, hold on. First first off, Set aside the fact that, you know, you kind of think it's like a plot hole or whatever, like the fact that Matthew McConaughey is the only one that could go on this mission, but, or not, that it's, that it's kind of convenient, right? That it's somehow our yeah. protagonist is the only one that could do it. Do you think, though, that anyone, anyone could have carried out this mission to save the people, the people of Earth, not the species, the people of Earth? Could anyone, like any Joe Schmo off the street... Yeah, did well no, not anyone. Sorry, like any one of the people on like NASA. Like any other pilot. Yeah. Or do you think it had to be Coop in order to make sure that everyone actually got saved on Earth? Um I mean realistically I would say I don't think so. I think anyone could have done this yeah. that was like trained properly and passed certifications. Sure. I mean they had ten years to train someone. I don't know what they were doing. <laughs> That's true. That's a good point. Well, simulations, because if they went up in the sky, then people would see that all their money's going to NASA. So Okay, then send 11 people out instead of all 12 of your people that are the only ones who know how to pilot a goddamn ship. <laughs> sure, I could see that. I mean, for me, like it had to be Coop in a way, because the only way to actually reach... It goes back to that cheesy line that Bran says of like, love is the only thing that you know can cross <laughs> space and time and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And so, in a way, it's just like, well, the only the only person that was actually close enough to NASA and or, or who was actually working on the gravitation stuff um, was Murph. And so, the only one that could have actually gotten that data back to Murph and to Professor Brand, if he was still alive, would have been Coop, because he's the only one that would have actually like given a crap to reach back and figure out a way to, to communicate to Murph. Because he cares so much yeah. about her living and everything. You know what I mean? Whereas it seems like all the other people in NASA just don't have families. I don't know. <laughs> it's because they're scientists. They're nerds. Yeah, What? Yeah, that is one thing. I feel like they could have done a better job at them being... Like, there was only one... Romley's the only one who actually seemed really, like, um, nerdy. You know what I mean? Like, he acted a little socially awkward. Like, he seemed a little awkward. You know what I mean? Everyone else should have been a little more awkward than they actually were. Yeah, that's your main plot issue is that the nerds weren't stereotypically nerdy enough. For that reason, it doesn't get a 10 out of 10. It's a 9 out of 10. (laughs) That's the one that drops it down to a 9. To a 9. Yeah, yeah. Um, There is, there is, I had, I mean, I have some other notes, but I want to ask this before I forget. Who are, they kind of explain who they are 
but who do you specifically okay. think they are? Well, here's the thing. I feel like I'm confused by this because mm-hmm. the they who opened up the Tesseract is future humans, right? right? Yeah. But then there's a they who put a wormhole next to Saturn or Mars or whatever. Right. And is that also humans? And if so, why did they open it up to 12 planets of which the majority were not habitable? Why didn't they just open it up to one habitable planet? Yeah, that's the thing. I don't know. Because here's here's the way that I see it. Like, obviously, they had this whole plan with the species and all that stuff, right? And mm-hmm. I think they are the species. I think there was some kind of mission, whether it went out into space or it didn't. Um, maybe they figured out a way to go underground and it was just a species that was left. I have no idea. I'm, I'm a little confused on that. Like, that's the plot hole. Like, the, the plot hole that actually puts a a damper on, like, this theory that I'm about to explain is is the wormhole. Because if they put it there, then it can't really they be They being the human. future yeah, humans. they being future humans. Well, how did they get there in the first place in order to put the wormhole unless they got off Earth and there was a mission that was successful? Because um, in my head, if if let's take away the wormhole and it's just like there, um, the mission carries on without Cooper. Brand is the one that carries out the mission, and because of her love for Edmund, or I think that's the name or whatever it is, um, they go there instead of Man's Planet, and or maybe they just go there first, like all together, because she just wants to go there instead, right? Because it's her field. I think she explains in the film, and they just go with Plan B, and so they are just the species, right? And there's that whole colony, and they keep living on and on and on until it's like thou- they, you know thousands of years in the future they have the technology to harness gravity and move through time and they for some reason care enough about the original mankind like we actually know how to communicate now why not why not go and see if we can actually save mankind like proper mankind and 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 yeah change like so that those people don't have to die on earth and so they reach out to cooper because he would have been the only one that could. Maybe they go through history books and all that stuff. And oh, well, he's probably not in a history book. I don't know. But they go through and they figure out that he's the one that probably could communicate through Murph yeah. and all that stuff. Here's the thing, though. That's like a lot of ifs, though. That's a lot of ifs. You know? Yeah. So, like, this is the thing. I normally like Christopher Nolan movies because, sure, they're really confusing, like the science and stuff, but yeah. they like hold up when you sort of poke at them like tenet is a really good example like that's a great concept i think like traveling backwards in time and it's like you think about it and like sure it makes sense in like a movie but like this one i feel like the more you ask questions about like the world that we're being immersed in the more that things don't really stand up to scrutiny yeah that's true i could see that yeah there's a lot of ifs just to get it moving for sure yeah yeah Cause like you don't, yeah, you don't learn who the they is. Like who is the they? Why did they put a wormhole? It's like yeah. we're just sort of expected to take that as is, and it's like why and what's going on? Yeah, no, I could see that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot. I just remember when the movie came out, a lot of people being like, "I don't understand who they are. I don't understand the end of the movie or whatever." I'm like, "Well, they is just like the it's species. Christopher Nolan." They is the species, and they wanted to save, like, the original humans so that they didn't have to die. I don't know. Yeah. But, um, 
You know, did you see though? You know, it's funny. Here's a subtle detail that probably was easy to miss. Um, when he's in the Tesseract and there's like all the books on the bookshelf, you get a clear view of one of the books. Did you see it? The Willoughby's. And oh, which is, is it's a Lois Lowry book. And um, the, the book, I just looked it up just to make sure I had like a good explanation of the synopsis. I never read it or whatever, but my kids watched, like they made a animated film of this. And um, so I kind of had an idea of what it was, but I like, I made a note. I'm like, wait, the Willoughby's that's kind of about, and here's the description, a family in which neglectful parents despise their four children. I think it's just the neglectful parents part. I think that was like a little like Easter egg of like he kind of had to neglect his, his kids in, yeah. in order to like carry out this mission and all that Save stuff. So I thought, I thought that was a cool little Easter egg personally. I don't know. Yeah, that's cool. I didn't notice that. Another subtle um, – oh, sorry. Go for it. Well, kind of going off of um... – him having to like neglect his family, I guess. Um, I really like the parallel that we see between uh, Cooper and Tom because Cooper leaves his family to pursue what he thinks he's meant to do in the world, right? Be this pilot. And then Tom uh, keeps his family in danger You know, he keeps Mm. them in the dusty area to pursue what he thinks he's meant to do, which is to be a farmer. Right. So I like that we get this connection between the generations, between Tom and Cooper, even though they don't really explore their relationship at all. I like this idea of fathers kind of indirectly harming their families because they are pursuing things that they feel like they're supposed to do or society is putting on them. Right. Um, I just thought that that was really cool to see that parallel in the two generations. Yeah. And Tom making sure that they're all together to a fault, like, Mm because he's absolutely refusing to leave. Yeah. To do it. Because there's, yeah. Well, not only to do what his dad did, but I'm sure there's other psychological things of like, I need to stay here because this is my dad's house and I miss my dad. You know what I mean? Like, and my kids buried in the backyard. My kids buried in the backyard. That's very true. You know, there's a lot of like, we have to stay here, but he's not, he's, he's holding them so close to a fault. Whereas the other father just, yeah, kind of pursued his own thing. Yeah. Fault. I, I don't know. That always gets gray because it's obviously to save humankind i love i do love that line though um when after miller's thing and they're in the ship and and they're waiting for things to you know um the water to get out of there uh and he's just talking about like well why didn't like didn't you tell your kid that you know you're going out to save the world and he's like i can't i can't say that yeah yeah. (laughs) because then she thinks she'll know that something's wrong and then she's gonna live with this dread that someday she might die you know what i mean Mm -hmm. i can't do that so I thought that that was. I'm just cool. gonna scar her for the rest of her life by leaving her. Yeah, there's that. Yeah, exactly. Um, but that that speaks to like, like although I, that's probably not what I would have done. I'm I very much explain. I don't know if it's a bad thing, but I explain it no matter what. Like I will just explain everything that's gonna happen, and you're just gonna know. Yeah. Like. Yeah, I think yeah. that there's definitely like a fine line to explaining things to your children that they might be a little but too young for, but like ninety percent honestly. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, but like the situation forces it. Yeah. So, um, sorry, I have to go check on her. I think she's getting into something. <laughs> okay. Never mind. I thought she was chewing on a thing down here, but she's just hanging out. So we're good. Big T, you're going to have to choose the podcast or your dog. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the, don't make me choose. Don't make me choose. Um, 
but yeah, I do, I do like sympathize as a father with, with Cooper because there's, yeah, there's just when you, when you're a parent that you, your decision making process completely changes because you have to think about yeah. how it's going to affect the kids and not just you as an adult yeah. who has a developed brain. So it's like, yeah, as a, also as a father of two dogs. Yes. Yeah, yes. That's fine. <laughs> just, just, you don't tell them the full truth. When, <laughs> we had to prep Willow to be a, become a big sister. Oh, we had to sit her down. We had to have a conversation. You gave her a little stuffed <laughs> puppy kidding. and see how she'll take yeah, care of the, the puppy. Exactly. That's hilarious. No, I, I, I really do enjoy like the family dynamics that you get in here. I honestly think that that's kind of where this movie shines is in like the complexity in this one singular family when humanity is falling apart. You know, I really, really like that, that we're getting this microscopic view into one single family, but like every family is suffering. And I just, I really do like that kind of um, comparison across the two different views. And then, and then also something that Christopher Nolan is like obsessed with in every single one of his movies is the concept of time. And you really, I think, like obviously, like Tenet plays with like reversing time and how does that affect time and all that stuff and, and events in the world and all that jazz. And then you get this movie where you know the relativity of time between different characters. Yeah. Um, I think it's very interesting because you you see you see that concept play out with man. You see that concept like played out mostly between Cooper and his family and the difference between time on, in their timelines and all that jazz. But you get like this small little glimpse, but what I would think would be really, really hard with Romley because man is like fighting for survival. I need to get off, but Romley's still on the mission and he's still trying to do everything that he can. And there's 23 years where he's alone on a ship trying to carry out this mission and obviously there's more hope for him because he knows that at some point they should be coming back, right? But he has long stretches, he said, like where it's like, I can't handle the solitude and I'm just going to sleep now. But then it felt wrong to sleep my or dream my life away. So I woke up at, at a certain point and I've just been alone for a while again. And it's just like... No, nope, I would have crawled. Well, I, if I could get over my anxiety, I would have crawled into that thing and gone set down. a timer for, oh, well, I don't know, for 30 years. Yeah. With a sticky note that says, wake me up if you get back. Dude, imagine that, though. He's got, like, gray hairs by the time they get back. Dude, so weird. I don't know. That one actually, like, I feel like no one brings his little story. Because he's not really a, he's a primary character, but they don't really get into him very much. Yeah. But, like, that would be devastating. And, like, when they open up the hatch, like, or whatever, you know, like, oh, dude. And just seeing him and just, like... I, like all the emotions that would going on would be going on in his in his mind and in his body would be like, I'm sure it'd be super overwhelming. It's just crazy. Yeah, and especially with the thought that like no, that was supposed to only be like 30 minutes, and it's been for them. So it should yeah. have only been about three and a half years or whatever, and it ended up being <laughs> 23 years. Anyway, yeah, I just feel like that mission was really messy though too. It's like yeah. why couldn't they just send case out into the water and to go retrieve the thing right yeah i don't know i don't but yeah that's yeah it's funny you think oh yeah they're taking whatever they could spare right you think that case would be although it was from the military right wasn't case and like all those robots weren't they like spared parts or or, like spared robots from like the military at some point 
I believe so. Yeah. So you think that they would have more utility than being able to like also, wheel around? Yeah, I also don't understand why they couldn't like relay the data back more efficiently. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. Also, part of my time, I guess, confusion is I don't understand any of this stuff. Like yeah, the that's true. Behind it. But I'm like, why couldn't you set up like a satellite over the planet that would ping the data so you didn't have to go down? To, I don't know. It just was kind of confusing. Yeah, they do say a lot throughout the film, like, but nothing's getting out. Nothing's getting out. We can get stuff, but then but it's never explained out. why. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, that you do bring up a good point, though. Like, I wonder we just don't have an understanding of it because, or maybe it is just a plot hole or whatever. Like, that just a quickly let's just explain this away real fast so that. Yeah, the stakes are raised up a little, a little bit more. confusing yeah. to me, but do you have any other notes? Um I have a question for you. No. <laughs> what do you think would happen if you threw up in your spacesuit? <laughs> like while you're on like man's planet or something, or what? Or like Well, yeah, because like when they take off and then they start spinning in endurance, oh, it yeah. normally gets like really sick. I'm like, what happens if you throw up in your spacesuit? I'm sure it happens. You just deal with it you until have you're vomit? Yeah. Oh my god, I think that would so. be horrible. And until you finally get back on the and you just have to Are there deal little with it. like inside windshield wipers like No. Definitely not. Because on man's planet there's planet, there's like uh um you can see like the condensation on their thing, their their helmets or whatever, you know? So they just kind of got to deal with it, I suppose. I just I was just thinking, oh my god, what if he throws up in his helmet? Oh my god, this would be terrible. <laughs> and then like little specks of vomit are like floating around you because there's not gravity. So yeah. Oh my god, I would. And then you keep on throwing up because you're getting throw up in your face and your eyes and your hair. Yeah. I agree. I want to. I don't want to point out like another subtle detail of how like when the fires are going on in the cornfields and they're putting they're using dirt to put out the fires, which obviously they need to conserve water. So I thought that that was a cool little subtle detail. Um, and then also I wanted to talk about, or I just wanted to say, there's a specific line that I just think for some reason, it just kind of sticks with me where, um, I think, I think the Tesseract has closed I at that point and, uh, Cooper's like, what happens now or what happens next or something like that. And for some reason, I was just like, that's a really, I don't know why. I just really like that line. What happens now? Like, and maybe that's just resonating with me right now because like, I'm kind of in a state of what happens now. <laughs> You're floating in I'm space. I'm floating in space with careers and all that stuff. So um, I don't know, for some reason that, that just like really stuck out to me as a line. There's a few good lines, yeah. I think, in this film. I like the line that said, you need two numbers to measure your ass, but only one number to measure my son's future. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. I thought funny. that was a good line, too. Uh, and also true. I also like, too, how they play with... Because um, obviously Cooper kind of looks down on being a farmer. Yeah, right. Um, and is like, oh, you know, science. We're supposed to be explorers and pioneers. But I do like that this movie kind of at least subtly acknowledges, like, no, farming is really important. Like, yeah. You wouldn't be able to be a farmer or you wouldn't be able to be an engineer or a NASA pilot if we didn't have farming. Like, yeah. this is incredibly important because, you know, especially in our society now, a lot of people sort of look down on farming or like don't think it's that important. But it's like, no, this is literally the backbone to society. So, no, no, no. Yeah, I agree. I think that's really cool. Um, I also wanted to point out um, at the very end when Murph 
and she's you know older Murph at that point, and she's just like no no father or parent should have to see their child die or whatever. And I'm just like like he he comes in and obviously she's older and she's probably not really even recognizable at that point to him, but he knows that that's his daughter and he still goes to her side like you know she's like this little kid in a way you know like holding her hand and in a way I guess like older older people like they kind of start going back into like like you kind of treat them like kids again because <laughs> they're just so sweet some of the time but um but but the fact that I just thought it was really cool that she has all she probably technically at this point has much more wisdom you know than him and so it's like he she's his little girl but at the same time like much wiser than him than him yeah that would be so weird that would be super weird i just love that concept of like well not seeing your kid die but like that terrifies me but you know just like she's older than him and and he's got to like deal with this she's lived his whole life now yeah he didn't know about I do think it's weird that maybe someone told him at some point that like, oh, you can't visit her until tomorrow. But you think that his first thing would have been, no, I'm going to go see, I want to go see my daughter <laughs> like right now instead of going yeah. to his replica home and figuring out TARS that night or whatever. Yeah. But, and then there's one question. Do you know, I'm going to, I'm trying to look it up right now. Why did, why did man's compound explode? What happened? Did he have a self-destruct yeah, thing going on? I don't know, because it looked like he was headed back to the compound, and then it blew up, and he was like, oh, well. My my assumption is that man made it explode. Yeah, he stored the real information and how unfit the planet, blah, blah, blah. He programmed, he programmed, yeah, he, pro- he programmed it to blow in case anyone tried to access the robot. Okay, that makes sense, because then there would have been proof that he was a piece of junk and... Because he was probably just going to strand them there. It was probably going to explode at some point because they were probably going to poke around in it and they would have died. And then he could have just said that there was some kind of explosion Leak. or yeah, some kind of accident and he was the only one that could make it. Although on Earth, I would be like, they all died, but you made it? That's odd. In your yeah, compound? Like what are the chances? He's desperate, though. I'll tell you what. I don't think I have anything else major to say about this. Neither do I. Nine out of ten film. We both agree. Big T, what a great! F- <laughs> I'll give it a nine. No, you won't. You'll give out it a yeah. I was gonna say you'll give it like a six or a seven, dude. You did not like the yeah, plot. Yeah, sure. I'll it. give it a six or a seven. <laughs> yeah, is that really where you where where you would put it at? I don't know. Don't ask me that. I'm gonna bump it up to a seven just for you. <laughs> there you go. Beautiful. <laughs> All right. Um. Again, I think it's I I mean, yeah, there's a lot of like quickly explain things away. There's a lot of um like easy explanations that Cooper came up with that probably a 15-year-old a could have figured out the answer to that. If, if if Gargantua makes time, then why don't we just go to the other side of the planet instead of being right next to it? Yeah. I I get that. I get that, but I still think that everything else just outweighs that to me because I'm not I'm not paying as close attention to the plot as as other people i'm looking yeah. at performances and music and all that stuff just swept me away swept me right away except for topher grace he took me right back out of the film um <laughs> <laughs> topher not so graceful he he's a good actor when he's in his lane of like kind of zany and whatever but when he's like in yeah. a and i guess he was kind of a zany character but when it's in such a grounded movie in my opinion it's a little a little odd yeah Somebody's agent pulled some strings for sure. (laughs) 
Um, Put a horse head in the director's bed to get him in that show, to get him in that movie. By Topher's grace, he was going to be in this film. (laughs) (laughs) All right, all right. Okay, if you have nothing else to say, Big T, that is the discussion on Interstellar, 2014 film. Love it. Enjoy it. Maybe you like Interstellar or uh, Inception better. Maybe you like Oppenheimer better. I don't know. I'm curious for you to watch that movie. Uh, I probably will not watch Oppenheimer. In any context, even at your own home? Yeah, probably not. I feel like it's really problematic for me. So Really? Yeah. It's just a biopic. It's like just telling what happened. I know, but a really problematic white man who killed a bunch of people. Yeah, and he he talks about that. He talks about the complexity of that in the film. I think it would be very interesting. I know, but it's like, why do we let like white villains be... Well, not I don't know if you want to say villains, but white characters be like have complex backstories, but then like media so often doesn't really give the same grace to other well that's the point of the movie is questioning the morality of the decision that was made to make it i know but it's like only this is exactly what you should be looking for (laughs) no it's like only white people get a whole entire movie made about them about questioning the complexity of like killing a ton of people you know i guess i mean you're not going to recast real people (laughs) to be a different race are you well, no, I'm just saying it's like they like white people get the benefit of being. Anyway, we can go on a tangent about this. After I just if it was a I, fictional movie, maybe I would agree with you. But this is like a real thing that happened. So it makes sense to me. But whatever. And it's Christopher Nolan. He, he'll he make whatever he wants to make. I don't care <laughs> um, if it's what's speaking to him. An artist should speak to what they want to do. There you go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, OK. That's the end of the discussion. New segment that now I have to come up with a theme song for probably. But yay, you're in your creative era. Yeah, but this is this is like extra time when I could be spending on something else. <laughs> but um okay, here's so this is I mean you kind of hinted at it in our uh cuz you basically came up with the idea, but I kind of swapped it around just a little bit. Um when we were doing our rankings episode for season 2, you said F Mary Kill, like something like that. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, hold on. Let's let's go on with that because that would actually be funny. But maybe let's change what it is to be more to make more sense with like a film and maybe be more real or like um not superficial. <laughs> or maybe it is superficial, I don't know. But okay, so what it is, and I'll I'll probably this is the best I can come up with for the different single word terms for what I'm gonna do, but I'll explain it a little bit. It's gonna be a take on F. Mary Kill, but it's called Fire, Partner, and Critique. Okay? So, you have to choose someone from the cast and crew. It doesn't have to be an actor. It could be the composer. It could be the writer. It could be whatever. Um, it can't, and, and it could be an actor, along with actors or actresses. Um, fire someone to where, like, you know, you probably just think that they did a really bad job and it, the movie would have been better without them. I have a feeling it's going to be Matthew like McConaughey. Like their character? No, the act, the like actor. the real person. Like you would replace them. Yeah, you would gotcha. replace them with a different actor, maybe. Partner, okay. which means like someone that you would work with, like like Christopher Nolan works with Hans Zimmer like over and over and over again, except for his mm-hmm. recent couple of films. Um, and then critique, like you think that they did a pretty good job, but you'd give them a few notes, you know, to maybe make their performance or to make, you know, make it a just even more perfect or a little bit better so fire partner critique what would you choose Hmm. fire i would fire um who's the nolan brother that wrote this 
I would fire Jonathan. And Christopher. They both co-wrote it. No, we'd keep Chris. Chris, keep Chris. Chris is good. Okay. Um, I don't know. Does Jonathan write? Has he written his other things too? Yeah, I'm pretty. Sh- I'm pretty sure Jonathan Nolan has pretty much written just about. I don't know. Everything. I would write someone on the firing, or the. I would fire someone on the writing staff because I feel like the plot was just not super well thought out. Okay. Um. So be that Jonathan Nolan or the intern or what the the person in charge of plot hole management. Um, I would fire them. Um, I would partner with Jessica Chastain because I think she's phenomenal in everything that she's ever done ever. She's a flawless queen. Okay. Um, And I would critique Matthew McConaughey. Ah, And I would say, listen, buddy, (laughs) speak a little bit more clearly. What? I feel like there were some parts where I was like, I need subtitles. I cannot understand this man. Really? Michael Caine was more egregious than than Matthew McConaughey. That's true, Holy but smokes. he was such... No, that's true, but Michael Caine is, wasn't as um, prominent. Like, sure. Matthew McConaughey yeah, sure. has a lot more dialogue. Sure. Um, I'd say speak a little bit more clearly and don't <laughs> deliver some of your lines as like you're cheesy. in a movie. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, there's one line of his and the way that it's delivered that has always annoyed me which is it was like why don't you blah 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 old man you know like to to his like father-in-law or whatever um yeah yeah that i thought that that delivery was a little too much um just to so just to clear so jonathan nolan has either co-written or written memento the prestige the dark knight and the dark knight rises um for Chris and then some other stuff, but for Christopher Nolan films, which is funny okay. because I feel like the prestige is great. The dark Knights like considered the greatest comic book movie of all time. And then memento. I'm pretty sure you like that, right? Yeah. I think I like Memento. Yeah. People yeah. didn't really care for dark Knight rises though. So yeah. it is maybe who knows? Um, maybe Chris, those are some of the highest regarded Christopher Nolan films. And so, so maybe, maybe we do fire Chris, maybe it's Chris as, keep as writer, as writer, you fire him as yeah. the writer. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Just as the writer. Just as the writer. Stick, stay to your lane, Christopher Nolan. You get rid of one of the Nolans. We only one get one Nolan. Whoever in this was movie. in charge of the plot holes. <laughs> yes. Whoever wrote, who was in the majority, whoever wrote the majority of the plot gets gets the axe. All right. Nice. How about you? Do you get an answer? Yeah. So I, I did write down some answers. I like this game better because I don't have to come up with a bunch of this or that questions, <laughs> which is like, it was the hardest part. Um, so I would fire Topher Grace because he took me right out of the movie. That's that's fair. If that's if fair. his character really was supposed to be just really weird and like just comedic, I guess in a way, at least with the way that he acted, <laughs> then I guess maybe it made sense. But I know I would rather have someone a little more grounded. Partner with Hans Zimmer because I love the music so much. Yeah, obviously. That's, yeah, and then I would also critique Mackenzie Foy who plays the young Murph. I feel like she did a really good job. Except for there's a few parts where I'm like, mm, this is a child actress and she's doing her best. You know what I mean? Yeah, I could see that. But it, yeah. um, Also, this is completely tangential, but it's kind of funny to me that Jessica Chastain played the older version of her because she looks way more like Anne Hathaway. Hmm. Yeah, I could see that. Like, I saw her, and I was like, oh, they did a really good job casting a young Anne Hathaway. And then Anne Hathaway showed up, and I was like, wait a second. Wait, she's a completely I thought that Anne Hathaway played the, the older Murph. 
I guess she would have had to dye her hair red or something. I don't. I'm not sure if Anne Hathaway would have been right for the role, though. That's the problem. I agree. Yeah. I don't think she would have. Jessica Chastain, Jessica, and also Jessica Chastain is the best. Yeah, she did a um, great job. But I saw her and I was like, oh yeah, she looks a lot like Anne Hathaway. And <laughs> I was confused. That's hilarious. Yeah. Well, cool. Thanks for playing. That's Fire Partner Critique. FPC. I wish the title was better, Pla- but it's it is what it is. Play it with all your friends. FPC. Okay, cool. That's it. Big T. <laughs> second episode of season three. What is it going to be, my friend? Well, we're in the theme of space, science e okay. movies that we don't understand, Uh-oh. and we already explored time. Okay. So now we're going to explore space slash dimensions slash universes. Annihilation. We're going to watch. No. Okay. That is an interesting movie, though. Um, everything, everywhere, all at once. Oh yes. This this is a good excuse to finally watch this movie. Yes, and I'm very curious to hear what you think of this yeah. movie because I can see you either really liking it or thinking it's really dumb. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. This, I mean, is this this but isn't Bong Joon Ho? Really is dumb, it? I will cry. No, it's and not. I will cancel the podcast immediately. Hey, man, I should be canceling the podcast over this discussion. <laughs> You insane lunatic. Interstellar, not so stellar. Oh, That's what we're going to call this episode. Oh, my gosh, dude. <laughs> Kills me. I mean, I see. I just, yeah, I just don't. Yeah, whatever. We've already talked about it. Okay, everything, everywhere, all at once. <laughs> um, What is this rated? Oh, rated R. Okay. So, remember, look up the parental guide before you watch the film so you don't see anything you don't want to see or hear anything you don't want to hear. Um, oh, Jamie Lee Curtis. I didn't know that, actually. What the? Oh, yeah, yeah, look at that. I'm seeing the trailer kind of right now. Um, it's on Showtime. Uh, so, so good thing we all subscribe to Showtime. Everyone. The international <laughs> acclaimed app. Everyone in there. Man, they must be... Amazon must be paying a pretty penny because it's like, watch on Showtime with Prime Video channels. And I'm sure that's like extra money that they're throwing at IMDb to like include their name in there. So anyway, um, cause I'm sure you can get just Showtime by itself. I don't think you have to do yeah. it. Um, is that, is that usually what I say when we talk about what the next film is? I don't know. Oh yeah. And then what, what, when that episode's going to go up. So this episode September, the next episode will be October 2nd. So everything, everywhere, all at once, October 2nd, Get ready and all that jazz. I th- it should be a good time. I mean, it's pretty much everyone that's watched it, I feel like, has nothing but great things to say about it. So I'm excited about it. And your your choices have been on point lately. <laughs> so it should be a good time. Why did you have to add the I know, right? <laughs> Isn't that so rude? <laughs> rude. <laughs> no, it's okay. Uh, all right. Okay. Well, we will see you October 2nd. Love you. Have a good month. And, uh, oh, yeah, Finley House. Hey, check out Finley House. I don't want to be a web developer anymore. Help me. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.